Hello and welcome to another edition of the TetraCast. I have just woken up to news about a Mass Effect remaster that I'm glad is officially announced, which we will talk about when we get the chance here today. I am your host, Brian Vitale, and joining me today is George Foster. Hi, guys. We've got James Galizio. Hey. We've got Adam Vitale. Hello. And joining us for the first time in a couple months, it's Josh Torres. The I Watcher love Man. Mass Effect. Yeah, <laughs> I can't tell how sincere that is, but I guess we'll I like, uh, Yeah, I like about half of them. You know Good what? Track record. That checks out. That seems <laughs> about right. It's another edition of the TetraCast. Like I said, we are on the precipice, on the brink of a new console generation. It is, we are into November proper. We are moving into the big releases of the year. This is the so, last podcast before the next generation. That is true. This is not for me. Oh yeah, it, depend- it depends on where you live. Oh right, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but uh... Uh, George is in Europe, and uh, Series X is still launching in Europe at the same date, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah it's just it's just the PlayStation Five in Europe is releasing on November nineteenth and not November twelfth. Right. So semi true. Take a long time to travel over the Atlantic. <laughs> That's that's still a weird delay, but yeah. So we've got a lot of things to talk about going into next gen. Uh, We've got a bunch of things that have already started to release in this kind of early holiday period for the year. Uh, So we're going to have a bunch to talk about. But first, we're just going to talk about the normal thing, which is what we've been playing leading up to what we know, what we have been filling our time with. As we wait for these things to arrive, at we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna have a ranking list of our favorite Series X and uh, PS5 embargoes that uh, lifted throughout the week, day by day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which specific PlayStation Five <laughs> reveal is uh, the one that you know you woke up early for? Oh, it was yeah. probably all of them. Uh, I I love the one where they tested the PS4 backwards compatibility, but couldn't show the PS5 UI. So like people had to like go to like weird transitions to like another game without showing the UI because that wasn't going to lift to like a day or two later. So that you was had to awesome. practice your video editing skills. Like, oh crap, I need yeah, to learn how to cool. do this stuff. <laughs> so uh, I guess I'll just sort of go first because I don't have much to say because I've just been continuing to play Neo 2. I think I'm nearing the end. I've been playing it really slowly. I haven't put in a lot of time this week. Um, we did put up a video on our YouTube channel of uh, the, f- the four of us, uh, all, everyone here but Josh, sorry, Josh, uh, talking over like 90 minutes of Neo 2 footage, just just kind of revisiting the game. It did come out this year. It will be on the list for Game of the Year discussions. Uh, so we talked about it last week on the podcast and we have the YouTube video. Um, my thoughts really are kind of the same. Uh, I think it's, you know, as someone who really enjoys the Souls-like type games. Sorry that I have to crutch on that genre. It's it's been really great. It's been really fun. Um, my only my only hangups with it have been the things that I brought up last week about the itemization, about how your um, your inventory ends up being flooded with you know tons of loot that ends up being disassembled or sold or just traded in. But I am actually really kind of jiving with the story now. Before I was kind of like I was mentioning how it was kind of confusing, hard to follow. A lot of it was kind of buried into the uh, into like the codex or into like the the data logs. 
they don't call them data logs in that game. I don't know why I use that word. But I so I just unlocked what James uh, mentioned, or I forget if you mentioned it on the recording or not, but he told me to look forward to um, a, a hub area that you unlock later in the game. So I just unlocked that. And something about revisiting characters uh, outside of the mission environment kind of solidified the method, the, the way that it decides to tell its story in Neo 2. And I'm just, I'm like really jiving with it. It's, it's, it's kind of a different, like the Souls games already take this kind of like backseat approach to the story where you're not the one driving the plot forward. It's kind of happening in the background. You might, you might encounter some characters, you know, a few times throughout. So it's kind of taking its own different version of that where it's not at the forefront, but it's still kind of critical to the setting. So I don't know if anyone, any of you have any other concluding thoughts on Neo 2. I just kind of wanted to bring up that, yeah, I'm still playing through it. I'm still enjoying it a lot. I will probably vouch for it. I want to uh, play it. I've been watching uh, another colleague of ours, a uh, contributor to the site, Kazuma. Uh, he streams Neo 2 here and there on his Twitch channel. And I, I like what I see of it. I've, I've been kind of holding out for a PC release, but I don't know if anyone's tried Neo 2 on the uh, PS4 to PS5 backwards compatible, if they can get that up to 60 FPS or not. Because that's kind of what I'm waiting for for it, of like a like a higher frame rate performance. If you have a PS4 Pro, you can play it at 1060 right now. Uh, but is, is it is it 60 on there like consistent? I don't know. It's pretty consistent, yeah. Oh, so maybe yeah, I've, I've been playing all, it all the DLC them. out. Two of them out of a planned three. Yeah, I was holding off for the PC release too, but then part of me was just kind of like I needed a game to play. I was really excited mm-hmm. for it and. I also, this is a bit nerdy, I suppose, but I wanted to play it because I wanted to contribute to like, I wanted to play it for purpose of being able to talk about it for the website. So yeah, I did it just I, for yeah. you guys <laughs> or, or us guys. Uh, yeah, I want to I get around to it. Hopefully, hopefully by the year before our, our game of the year talks start. It's, well, just been, it's been a lot. Got about a month and some change at this point. Let's be- yeah, so it's... Uh, definitely check it out uh the final dlc will probably land like early next year and then maybe the pc port will be announced i i was half joking that as soon as i bought it like two weeks ago it would be announced but so far not yet so uh i guess we'll just go over to let's see adam you don't really have anything to talk about this week i just finished hades and you know we kind of talked about that the last two weeks so okay um how about you Go ahead, James. Oh, um, yeah. So this week, I actually didn't play that many games, I feel like. Though I guess I kind of did, but I've been distracted by other more serious matters. Like that. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll just chime in to say same. I feel you. Yeah, so I've been half like trying to uh, distract myself and half just not sure what to do. So I've been playing a bunch of smaller games this week. Um, so the non-RPG site, but Nintendo Insider, I'm going to be pushing a review for Mad Rat Dead pretty soon, which um, I talked about uh, my experiences playing the Japanese demo a few months ago, I feel like, and, uh, finally got a chance to play through the full game. So Mad Rat Dead is a rhythm platformer from Nipponichi Software, right? Yeah. So a few things about it. One, it's not 
specifically very long. Like it'll take you like four hours to do your first playthrough. And then there's like hard mode for songs, which have a different beat map slightly. But I, as far as I can tell, the actual like platforming is the same. I need to should probably go in there and check. To, to, to give a, a like a little bit of like context for people who don't know what it is, it's like a two D side scroller game, but the interface is very like Crypt of the Necro da- uh, Dancer in terms of like how beat maps go and like lighting up the beat to like your actions. Yeah, yeah, pretty much exactly like that. It's got an interesting art style. It's got a really nice and surprisingly varied soundtrack like i was like going through and re-listening some of the songs and there's some interesting like talent that they brought in and for some of them it looks to be their first time working on a video game soundtrack so it's yeah it's a lot of uh, indie japanese artists right yeah nice so very interesting to see that sort of stuff um the story is cute very short though because again it's only like four hours long that's including like the platforming and all that Obviously, the story is not going to be a major aspect of a rhythm game platformer, but um, I do Well, in the sense that you can um, you can go for the S ranks on mm. all the levels, and also there's the hard mode with the with the different beat map and whatnot. Um, the price might be a little bit high for what you're getting because, like, let's say you go for S ranks on both normal and hard difficulty, you're probably not going to be spending much more than like 10 hours in the game. It's a $40 game, which I guess that isn't too bad. It could be a lot worse, but um, I actually would not recommend playing it on Switch. Uh, so I remember I played the PS4 demo and I felt like the performance was fine, but I did have a friend that's, that uh, played the Switch demo and told me that they thought that the Switch uh, performance was a bit unfortunate. So I kind of had that in the back of my mind once I started playing through it on Switch. And for the most part, it's fine, but there's a few instances where it's not even necessarily the frame rate. It's totally the frame pacing, which just really makes it feel a bit uncomfortable to play, and that's really damning for a rhythm game. And a platformer, too, for that matter. So... You can play it on Switch, and you'll still probably have a great time. But if you're going to play this, I would recommend getting it on PS4. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's one of those games that like obviously since you're, you're the frame rate and like, you know consistent frame rate that matters to like the just basic actions in that game, and it, it feels more severe in this kind of game because of that because it'll yeah. directly affect your gameplay experience. Yeah. I wonder if they'll port it to PC eventually. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, I'm pretty sure the main reason why they kept it on PS4 and Switch for now is it was actually a worldwide release, which is kind of interesting to see coming from NIS. I, I'm not sure if they've done worldwide releases before. Have they? Mm. I want to say, if it's not the first time, it's like one of the first times they've done it. For, for brand new maybe maybe that. Yeah. I was going to say maybe that pretty game. I'm not sure, but that's like a yeah. re-release. Yeah, uh, re-releases, they're usually okay with doing worldwide releases from what I can remember. Um, like, was, was Disgaea refined or the one in the one remake re-release worldwide? I forgot. Disgaea 4 Complete Plus? No, the, the first Disgaea, like Disgaea 1, it's called Disgaea Refined in Japan or something. Mm-hmm. I, I forgot, but for a brand new title, I don't remember them ever, not in recent memory. 
Yeah, so it's interesting to see them do that for once. But uh, yeah, so no, actually, just just for what it's worth, the Sky One Complete was not worldwide. It was a few months delayed. Okay, July and it was July 2018 in Japan, October in the West. Okay, so yeah, this might be the first time they've done it, which would be pretty interesting, actually. I wonder if that means they'll be trying to go for that going forward. I'm guessing it sounds like the Sky is six. Might be close. Like, I don't know. Uh, they, they haven't said. I don't think they've said a. No, they. I think it's like no. No, it's January they, next year in Japan. Yeah, it's summer. January in Japan. Yeah, oh, okay. summer for the West. So. Oh, and it's not. So I wonder why this one got the worldwide treatment, but. And we've mentioned this before, but I'm still I'm still kind of confused why the Western version is Switch only. <laughs> it's it's like a weird situation. Better, better, we better hope that Switch performance is pretty good in that game because <laughs> it's the only one we're getting. <laughs> well, it's a turn-based tactics game, so the performance being kind of shitty wouldn't even necessarily be a big issue. I don't know, but I, I, I wouldn't want my Switch to go down to like fucking 10 FPS if there's like so many like battle effects going on and just this guy is full with like crazy over-the-top battle effects. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that, so that'd yeah. be a bummer. Besides that, um... I didn't put this on the podcast talk, but I kind of want to talk about this first. Uh, I did play through, uh, well, half of Alan Wake, the other half that I hadn't finished after like putting it on my backlog literally years ago, years and years ago. So uh, um, Adam and Brian and I kind of just on like Halloween, you're all like kind of playing stuff like streaming on the staff discord. And I just was like, I, I want to play a spooky game. What should I play? It's like, you know what, Alan Wake's a spooky game, and I never really finished it. Let's let's finally finish that. And you um, said you like started it like literally in 2013, so like seven years ago. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but it's like with me, it's either I'll play through something really quickly and like just not drop it for the duration of the playthrough, or I'll drop something and then <laughs> come back to it literally years later and finally finish it. Alan Wake was one of those games I I got. I don't play a lot of third person. Is it? Do you? Can you call that game a third person shooter? I don't know. Kinda. Um, that's that style of game. I don't really play that often. But for whatever reason, I think it was around when I first got my PC, and it was like always on sale. It still is always on sale. Uh, but um, it was one of those games where I played it, and then I didn't dislike it. I didn't love it. It was fine. It was a good game, but it didn't like leave an impression on me. If you asked me before, you had replayed through it to name like just one basic aspect of that game of like <clears throat> and about anything at all i probably couldn't have told you like i played it and my brain just kind of like dumped it just like we're, the, we're the one thing we're i would tell you anything you, the one thing i would tell you is like you can focus your flashlights like it'll burn them then you shoot them yes <laughs> i could have told you that you uh you kind of somehow focus the flashlight into like a heat scorching laser beam yeah somehow it's yeah. You know, it was a. It was fun to watch it again. It was it, it fit the mood of Halloween. Uh, sometimes you do have those games that just kind of weigh on you. Not a lot, but or at least I won't speak for you. But if you have a game that you haven't finished, and it's like, man, I let that game down. I never, I never saw it through. Here's my chance to make good. So Ugh, backlog problems, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I get anxious whenever um, I'm the sort of person, and I know a lot of people don't jive with this is that if a game is on sale even if it's like price error 10 like where it's 90 percent off and i don't have immediate plans to play it or 
or I don't have the time or the inclination to play it right away. I tend to just like not buy games to avoid them in my backlog. Even like free like EGS games or whatever, um, PlayStation Plus games. I won't download them if I don't have the plan don't have a plan on playing them just because I don't want them to weigh on my like I don't want to put it on like a list of chores like oh this week uh so I, let me, so and so is free so let me put it on the list to get around to it at some point like I'd rather just I'm not really interested in that let me just let me just sidestep it entirely so I know a lot of people don't think that way but that's kind of how I keep my backlog manageable there was that was like me just uh a decade ago i guess it's like when you're like you know when you're younger and you have like when you're young and you have like financial freedom in a sort of way of like hey i can actually make my own purchases now because i have my own card and whatnot like you, you do have that like well for me i had that so, sort of urge earlier it's like oh these games are all cheap as hell i'll just have them just to put them on my on my list oh i'm missing like the third entry in this series that i've never touched but since it's like uh, like seventy percent off, I'll just get it to like complete the the thing there, and one day in my lifetime, I'll maybe get around to it. Um, I, I used to be that sort of person, and I've like been in the last like four or five years, I've kind of uh, adapted that mindset uh, that you have. Like, hey man, if I don't if I don't plan to like ever get to this in the next like six years, then uh, and people will say okay. like, well, let's have it free and you can just play it. You know, who knows? Maybe in seven years, you'll get to it. And I'm just like, yeah, you're not wrong. Like, you are correct. I could I could get this game for free or cheap now and then not have to pay for it later. But I, I don't know. That, that's just not enough to push me over the edge. Anyways, like, I don't want to go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, it's just like there's just different priorities of like how our minds work of like kind of like it's, it's OK to like uh, be efficient about how we want to uh, our prospects in the future, you know? <laughs> Yeah, with me, what um, I kind of get screwed because there's been a couple of times where there's games I've wanted to play and I've waited so long to pick them up that the physical copies for them have gotten like crazy expensive. And then there's been some cases where I have bought a game and then I left it on my backlog and then eventually they became super expensive. So I was glad I picked it up when I did. Like um, a couple of anime expos ago, I picked up. Um, um, Eskin Logi Plus's uh, Vita limited edition physical, and that's uh, even now with the Switch re-release is still pretty expensive up there. If I wanted to play it on Vita, and obviously it's what I'm not sure if the uh, Vita and PS4 versions have gone down in price since the PC um, release, but for a while there they were trending above like fifty bucks each. So for me, it's just. I don't like having a huge backlog, but I'm kind of one of those people where it's like, well, I kind of have to gauge whether or not I think X game or Y game or Z game is going to be readily available within the next couple of years or something like that. We've already talked about how like some older Sony games become more difficult to purchase because of their priorities with their digital storefronts and things like that let alone if they have a physical copy tracking those down if they're if they haven't ballooned in price due to not being due to be due to being out of print there are some Vita games that as of right now you cannot buy even though they're technically not delisted because they never showed up on the Vita storefront and I don't think some of them showed up on the PS3 storefront either you had to go to the website I mean we we, we also have this now recent problem of like 
Nintendo's limited time releases as well. It's like you don't like uh, it's more like you had to. It's putting pressure on you on you to purchase them for the <clears throat> just in case you'll permanently never be able to play Super Mario sixty four on your Switch, for example. Do you do you think the whole goal there literally is just to utilize people's fear of missing out? Is that yes. all it is? Yes. Is that all it boils yes. down to? One hundred percent. So like I'm. And that seems so cynical that I don't have any like uh-huh. counter argument. That's like really, that's all it is. That's so. That's it's just lame. That's stupid. It, 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 the reason why it's uh, uh, stopping on March thirty first is to make those numbers look good on that uh, fiscal year report. Because yeah, I do enjoy. I did like Mario Galaxy, Galaxy and Sunshine. And I like all three of those games. And I'm like, man, now I'm thinking like, should I just buy that? Go against my mantra and just be like, what if? What if I want to play those at some point? Well, that, I mean, it's a it's a, it's a do or die situation because you don't you don't know for sure a hundred percent if Nintendo will ever make those available for Switch again. Who knows? Uh, it's it it feels bad. I I'm totally with you. I still haven't picked them up. I'm probably gonna end up picking them up. But it still feels slimy. Anyways, that's a weird tangent to go off of Alan Wake. But yes, whenever I think of Alan Wake, I think of like steam sales just because that was like always on the front page in like that early 20 in the mid 2010s or early 2010s uh back when steam sales were a little bit more exciting yeah remember when steam sales mattered <laughs> yeah now that now they just kind of come and go and it's i don't know yeah the, remember those uh golden era days of steam sales were like it's it was on a low price but there, there were some days where they could be even cheaper for 24 hours and you didn't know no the wasn't it uh there were like flash sales that were literally like eight or 12 hours so multiple yeah, times like, a day yeah, it's like hours, man yeah. if i buy it now it's 35 percent off and it might go down to 50 it's, it's such a uh-huh. dumb thing to be like yeah. so tuned into <laughs> it, 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 but, it I, but i totally dumb, was it felt exciting though it's like i could get this even cheaper if i just wait a little just to see it, it was so dumb back then and it, it was dumb but it was exciting i kind of enjoyed it all right, so going into the, the remaining part of this early section of the podcast, I think you, Josh, and George basically have the same game to talk about, and I will let uh, Josh go first about what you've been playing over the last week. Yeah, um, spe- speaking of... Um, I forgot the what transition I was going to use for that. I, was, I thought <laughs> I made a mental note earlier on, and I was like, oh, well. Um, I've been playing... I played beat and reviewed uh, Yakuza 7, We're About to Light and Darkness, uh, a.k.a. Yakuza Like a Dragon in the, in the West. Um, it's the next mainline Yakuza game, even though it doesn't the Western title doesn't really reflect it. Um, it's... Wow, it's, it's a lot. It's obviously, if you didn't know, um, this is the, the Yakuza game that is now a turn-based RPG. It's no longer an action RPG brawler where you go up uh, on the streets and you beat uh, guys up with like uh, light and heavy attacks and pick up things and smash them just like in real-time combat. This is, hey, you have a party of four, and you uh, when battles pop up, you have a, me- uh, a menu like, like Persona 5 and Cold Steel 3 and 4 where there, there's actions uh, mapped to like the button faces. And it's like you go to this, uh, you can go attack normally or go to the skill list. And that's how you fight. Everyone has like an HP gauge, an MP gauge. Um, it's, uh, I liked it. I, um, even though it's so different, I came out pretty positive on it by the end after all was said and done. So this uh, game 
starts in earnest uh, three years after the events of Yakuza Six. Um, even though it's billed as like a new car, like you, anyone can get into it. Uh, this can be a, a first time, like a first timer's uh, Yakuza and whatnot. If you're new to the Yakuza series, like uh, George, George is in that in that camp right now. It's his first Yakuza game, and I'm interested to hear from his perspective in a bit. Wait, um, hasn't George played like zero? Oh, wait. No, I I played like four hours of zero, okay. but just it just fell out of loop, and then I finished uh, Yakuza Six. Weirdly, okay. the only one I've actually. Oh, okay. My so he's just bouncing all over the timeline. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't really count myself. I I'd say I've I've watched it from afar, and this is the first time I've dived in. Okay, yeah, that's that, that that's my bad. Um, yeah, my. History with Yakuza going in. Um, I, I kind of mentioned it here and there previously on this podcast. I, I've played pretty much all the mainline Yakuza games, a good chunk of the spinoffs over the years, near when they come out, or maybe a few months after they came out. Even even the original releases of like the first Yakuza one and two on PS2, um, and then just recently earlier this year, I went through all the mainline Yakuza games: Zero, Kiwami One, Kiwami Two, Three, Four, Five. And six, and uh, because I was speaking again with Kazuma, and he's like, you, you know, like I play. He played the Japanese version last year. It's like I, you, you're gonna need to know like previous Yakuza games to like get this uh, this game. And I, I was curious about that going in, so I was like, okay, let's go uh, refresh my memory on this. So I did it, and I came to that game knowing all that. And there's definitely. Like a weird grace period, uh, the first half of the game, um, where it kind of starts you off fresh because it's a new protagonist with Ichiban Kasuga. It's no longer Kazuma Kiryu. He's kind of he's kind of like the sort of person or grunt you'd meet with uh, Kiryu, and he just beat them up like he's like some random silly dude yeah, off the street, and like Kiryu would like beat this guy up because he's acting like uh, like an idiot. Like uh, Ichiban definitely gives off that vibe. Early in the game, he's kind of at the bottom of the Yakuza ladder. Uh, a lot of the early goings. Are you calling Ichiban an NPC? He's just, he's just an NPC. <laughs> I, I didn't say anything. I didn't say that. But, <laughs> but uh, I really like Ichiban by the end, by the way. I really, really like him as a protagonist. They, they did a lot of great character work with him. Um, a lot of the first chapter in the game is kind of establishing who Ichiban is, where he is. Uh, at the current moment, it kind of does that uh, uh, time gap skip because the, uh, there'll be events that lead up to Ichiban getting thrown into jail for 18 years for a crime he didn't commit. And uh, it kind of goes into detail of like, you know, why that happened and he did his time there. And then the the real quote unquote real game starts when he gets released out of prison and things happen. Uh, after he uh, gets off of prison and he's been, kind of falls from grace at a certain moment in the game and he's kind of has to start over with nothing essentially he he his his corpse is basically like at this homeless encampment in Yokohama at uh, the Isazaki Jinsho uh which is kind of like the Kamurocho of the game um and so you kind of you're basically scrounging for anything that you have. Like the very first one of the very first skills that you learn in the game is just how to like look under vending machines for many, any spare like items or cash that it may have. 
and whatnot. And it's kind of a a coming up story of like how you kind of get through that. There's this whole um, trifecta of factions in uh, this uh, in Yokohama that you're kind of faced with and getting to the bottom of things from that. So it's like there's just a grace period where like you don't really need to know much of the Yakuza going on, like the in-universe things going on at that point. There, and it's like, okay, there's a cool story. Um, this kind of this new protagonist is kind of goofy and wacky, but you know, he's he's well well-meaning, very earnest. He wears his heart on his shoulder and whatnot. And then there there'll be a certain uh point in the game when storylines are coming together and things are coming heading into a point where i'd say a little over halfway to the game um aspects big aspects from the previous games all six previous games or no seven previous games like come to uh get into the story and there'll be like big significant moments and like narrative beats that uh occur and transpire throughout yakuza like a dragon and that if you didn't know them beforehand it'll just go f- you'll just, it'll just fly by over your head and you'll just have to nod along with it and because the game has no sort of like um like in-game summary or in-game like thing or- is it is it sort of obvious that the game expects you to be aware of what's happening or what's being referenced without saying it like explicitly. Absolutely. Because because, because the events will happen that are relevant to, you know, figures that were, that were in previous games that they are directly involved in that plot line. And it'll expect you to know that like, Oh, this is kind of like what happened in the previous games. This is where they're at now. And now that there are things happening now that involve them. They are now, key figures because like i haven't i haven't played this series so i'm kind of just speaking out of ignorance here but i could maybe sort of see like if ichiban is not aware of these events for whatever reason he sort of acting as like a player um what's the word proxy to like someone explains to him what's going on that that never happens though that's the thing he's definitely a newcomer to like the things but they it's never explicitly explained to him like what has happened to get up to this point it's the the story just kind of continues hoping that the player knows why the the, the ichiban isn't like like oh what's going on guys and then there's like some big like oh uh it's not like one of those things where you go around the room with all these figures and they'll explain who they are and where they came from and what why are they here and what there's never a point in that main plot line that has that it doesn't making it really a big attempt to catch players up. So for a lot, I know a lot of people are hoping this will be their, and that's totally fine if they uh, treat this as their entry point, but they'll they'll have to uh, accept that, you know, there'll be a lot of narrative beats at the back half of this game that like, they'll they'll be lost, understandably lost, and they'll just have to nod along. It's like, okay, sure, yeah, I, uh, I may have seen, you know, this person from like, the internet, uh, when, when when Yakuza images are being passed around the internet, it's like, oh, I, I recognize that person uh, and whatnot. But so basically, oh, newcomers sort of just have to acknowledge that they know they're kind of st- stepping in partway through, and it's not gonna, you know, there are things that they'll just have to sort of accept or not. Yeah, they yeah. they missed out on so far. So. And, and the, the, you know, that's 
I I don't know. I feel kind of mixed about that approach because I, I feel like they've it's not necessarily the the fall of the Western marketing uh, in this aspect of trying to like build this as like a new entry point, but there's a reason that this was explicitly called as Yuga Gotoku Seven in Japan. This is the follow up of the last Yakuza game, like uh, branding it as like a, like a dragon in the West, and like oh you're you're good if you know anything about Yakuza going. It's kind of like I mentioned in the review, in my review, it feels a little disingenuous in that aspect too. I, I, I think it's going to be weird if the next Yakuza game comes out and in Japan it's you know given the number eight because it's just another continuation. The, the, but then the in the West, Sega like, what are they going to do? Are they just going to call it eight? And then yeah, like, every every game now from now on is now it has to come off with like a spinoff esque title, even though they're not. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, I don't know if I'd like that. But... And you, you heard Josh bring it up. He did a, write a very thorough review about his experience with Yakuza Like a Dragon slash Yakuza 7 up on the site. So he's basically speaking to his experience here about uh, what he felt about the game, his takeaways. But he's also got it in written form uh, in the feature section of the, the website proper. So go ahead and give that a read if you want to yeah. hear uh, or read uh, more about his thoughts. Yeah, but, but in terms of like, you know... If you if you like old school RPGs, this will definitely be up your alley. You know, it has it has all that like just just to give a little bit of like context of like why this is a turn based RPG. Uh, Ichiban is like a big Dragon Quest fan, so there's like an in in universe explanation of why it's turn based because that's like his imagination runs wild. So it kind of turns into like this turn this turn based battle because he really likes Dragon Quest. There's like a whole job uh, system. Uh, there's gear, equipment, and has all a lot of things Yakuza fans like. It has, you know, the Sega arcade games, sub stories, uh, some new mini games like a like a Mario Kart spinoff called Dragon Kart. Um, I think I, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing a lot of people's uh, like reactions to it. Like I know a lot of friends uh, want to hop in it. Like some of them will be it'll be their first Yakuza game. Uh, for better or worse, and they know that going in, they're like, "Hey, they might be, uh, you know, kind of." A lot of it might fly over their head, but they still want to give it a shot because they they like turn-based RPGs, so they'll they're they're in. They really like what they see. So I'm I'm looking forward to hearing from it. I'm curious to hear from you, George. You've been working on it um, quite a bit as well. Uh, I didn't. I don't know what it was that made me jump in. As I've said before, I've not really played the yakuza games like enough to really just jump into what is the seventh entry because uh, we we've all known on the site that is like required knowledge to have played the others for some time now uh and i knew it was turn-based and that doesn't really jive with me but just something about it just made me go you know what yeah i'll I'll give it a go and i'm like really really impressed so far um i think it helps that I've mentioned it previously on podcasts. I'm like, I really like gimmicky turn-based games. Like mm-hmm. if it's like traditional, like I haven't really sat down and properly tried to find a fantasy, like the original ones, but they, they just didn't do much for me in the first place. But then if it's something like paper Mario, where it's like, okay, well, if you interact with this attack as you do it uh, and you'll deal more damage, that always does something for me. I, I can't explain why. Um, and it, that's present here. So like combat is always involved. It's not just sit back and press this and then see what happens. So you, you just need some sort of hook beyond 
select from a menu. Yeah, I, I just need that little bit of participation from me during... Otherwise, I could just like auto-battle and then just sit on my phone. Like, I just wouldn't be taking it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does that, and it's, it's very... Another thing I like as well is that I hate using this as my primary example of a turn-based game, but if I look back to South Park, The Stick of Truth, that... <laughs> I, know, okay. I know, That's valid. Okay. That, um, that always did stuff, so you you have like the mage, but then like your fire attack would be firecrackers or fireworks or fire blown from your butt, like stuff like that. Like it was, it would take the tropes that I knew from like just my general knowledge of games and then spin them on the head. So it'd be funny and like, it just be a bit more memorable. And it does that here as well. Kind of putting it in the context of the universe it's set in. And I think I know what you're getting at, like the different classes being these, you know, like real, uh, uh, like jobs, like real yeah. jobs or careers, like, you know, in a yeah. silly Yakuza over the top way. Instead, instead of like a white mage, you have like an idol class, or if you, you know, you have like a, a, a bartender class or a chef class or a dancer class instead. Uh, well, I guess a dancer is another game, but not, not like break dancing. Um, yeah, the, I think you guys, uh, especially like, you know, are nailing it with. The, there's kind of like a weird charm, experimental charm to this game where it kind of envisions, you know, what we, what a Final Fantasy would look like set in like a, the confines and the contemporary lens of the modern world. Like, what, what if, if our life as we know it today was, was like an RPG? And what, it's especially reflected throughout like the enemy designs of that game, like you'll have an enemy that like, he likes to t- take uh, you know selfies of himself, and the the enemy is like called like a twitchy streamer. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's little stuff like that. It it just makes it a bit more engaging. Maybe that's like I I don't know if that's like a stupid view to have, but it just makes it a bit more memorable in my eyes. Um, and in regards to the story, which I've been playing with the English dub for the record, which is another reason I think. I, I jumped at the chance to take a look is I really enjoyed the Japanese dub of Yakuza 6 and I understand that's like a one of the things that makes a series so like beloved that it sticks to that but I was really intrigued to see like how well they do with the English dub because I, I, I missed Judgment um, which was their first attempt to it's I a believe- really good dub they did a, a really spectacular job of ju- uh, Judgment yeah and I, I missed that for whatever reason um even though arguably like the old Yakuza style and judgments like gameplay style that fit, that suits me a lot more than the current Yakuza that I'm playing and loving. So I I don't know what's wrong with me. I guess I'm just weird. (laughs) Um, I, yeah, a story is really good so far. I haven't hit a point where I'm like, what's going on just yet. But like, I I know it's coming up from reading Josh's review and everything you've said about it. Like, I know there's going to be some points I'm just going to be like, what? But how much? Yeah, I think that's basically what Josh is getting at. Is like as long as you're like aware that there might be some event coming up that you don't know exactly what's going on or uh, how how things came to that point or whatever. So, uh, as long as you're like aware of that, I think that's all the best you can ask for at this point. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to really depend on how much I've enjoyed the story up to that point regardless of needing the information so if i've if i've really been on board and i'm like yeah like i really want to see how this goes for ichi like don't don't drag all the stuff from the old games in just focus on him if it does do a lot of 
okay, well, you know that all that stuff that was in Yakuza 1 to 6, like, here's that again, but like, forgets about Ichi, then I'll be a bit like, oh, but I, I don't know how that plays out. Um, but all the characters are fantastic. This was the case for Yakuza 6. Like, I, I cried at the end of Yakuza 6. I have no connection to these characters at all, and it made me cry. So I think that the, the studio, I, I can't pronounce it, I'm, I'm sure you guys can, but the studio is just fantastic with their storytelling. Even mm-hmm. a, a big part of what I'm doing right now is trying to get all the sub-stories done, and all of them, sometimes they're a bit cliche where it's like oh wacky situation but this person's in a wacky situation because of sad reasons and like i recognize that is cliche and what they do pretty much every time but they always really like they always warm your heart a bit um so yeah i'm just i'm really enjoying it it's i'm okay i'm definitely with you at the end of yakuza 6 there's a certain scene at the end of yakuza 6 where it concerns a letter to them from someone to someone and I, i i teared up very much at the first time i saw that and i teared up uh, very much yet again on my replay of that that letter at the end of yakuza 6 will always strike me and there's a certain thing uh not really necessarily a letter but there's a certain scene uh at the end of uh, like a dragon that also may almost made me cry as well but uh because i was so i, I don't know i don't know how it hits in the english version because i didn't play uh, played in japanese but uh there's a certain point um or Ichiban's uh, Japanese voice acting, just it it it's phenomenal on like the delivery of a, of a certain scene at the near the the very end of that game, where like I'm just like, oh, this is this is so much fuck. Like I, I I'm so touched. This, I'm jived with this so well. I I totally get it. I totally understand like why what's happening here. Oh, it's so it's beautiful. If they decided to carry the yakuza series on like this so no more no more brawler gameplay just straight onto the rpgs from now on would you be would you be okay with that so i would uh, yeah I, I would absolutely be okay with it like i i think the the foundation they laid in this game has the makings of like a really really good rpg are, are I think we that allowed they're... to say that we prefer it the other way uh, is that <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> i mean i'm fine with either way but i definitely see why they wanted to go this route because they've you know they've They've, they've. It feels like they've hit the theoretical limit of where they can like hit that like brawler gameplay. Like they really came to a head in Kiwami Two and Judgment, and like that. Like if they even spice it up, they've added like more action RPG elements of like how, uh, like in Kiwami Two, how Kiryu is kind of weak until you build up his stats uh, in that game, and that wasn't really like a super big issue in like the previous games all that much. So uh, clearly they've been kind of pivoting to this here and there uh, for some time now until they've gone all the way with this game. But I- I'm interested to at least give them, I want them to give this w- at least one more shot and really go all the way of like fixing this game's problems. Mm. Because a lo- in a lot of ways, this game is a big experimental game. And with that comes a lot of like first time, like, Mistakes. I'm not gonna say rookie mistakes, but just like first time mistakes because you're you're bringing everything over from basically genre shifting, and that brings a lot of uh, weird technical problems to it. Like a lot of my issues with this game was like turn based battles are cool, but the way they how the turn based battles work is almost all your battles will occur at the exact same environment where you encountered that enemy group. So you've encountered them in front of a cabaret club with stairs. 
it'll occur there. It'll if you encounter them on the bridge uh, at a certain part of a bridge, it'll always it'll occur right there. It's not like some like preset like location or like this preset bridge location or preset like street location. It'll almost always happen on the spot. And since you don't have movement, you, you can't control movement of your characters, but uh, both uh, your allies and enemies drift around on their own in battle. But a lot of uh, the battles are very positional dependent of like, oh, you have this AOE move. Hopefully, like, you know, the characters have drifted into each other to do this or or the other way around where your characters are clustered together. But it just because of a random dice roll, the enemies did this super powerful AOE move and you had no control over like preventing that uh, scenario. And there and there'll be times where like your enemies and your allies are placed so far apart like across the street that like every time you want to go in for an attack they have to run up and take like maybe three four seconds to run up hit them once and then take another few seconds back to run back to the location there where they were at and there's no real control over that and that really ruins the flow of battles when it like breaks like that it's very like cool on paper when you're like explaining it to someone like how these battles should go but in practice like there's a lot of room for a refinement on that end and mm. also just the way the job system works where it kind of disincentivizes switching between classes so much because every time you switch to a brand new class for a character that's all it's always be job level one and you do have to take uh some time out of your way to like grind that uh job to see if like oh if like if i want to actually even use this class for this character uh to test out like you know uh, weird party setups and whatnot and that that feels like it there's a lot of weird quality of life things that are missing in this game that like it, it seems Stuff like it could be like easily yeah. iterated on if right. they were to follow up they could polish it out kind of buff out the edges mm-hmm. so, i would totally agree like even even today when i was playing there's a there's a moment where i used uh i think it was one of adechi's moves he can like uh charge up and just run at someone and that is usually fantastic for like taking out maybe like one or two enemies at once but i did it in a way where it was positioned he just ran into a bit of the environment and the attack cancelled and i was just like okay like it's kind of funny but if this was like an important fight or if i was like playing on a harder difficulty or struggling with the game i'd kind of be annoyed at like that waste of a turn Um, yeah so it's stuff like that that like definitely can be improved and i have faith they would but i think for me the thing that really shines through most is like there's just this passion for like like they always they reference Dragon Quest a lot and I personally haven't played Dragon Quest but you can tell from the way they do the enemies like all of the references to RPGs there's just this newfound passion in a Yakuza game like they've been making from well I'd say like from the third game onwards to Kiwami 2, well, even to Judgment, they've made the same sort of game in the same sort of environment, and they've added a lot and iterated on it and improved it. But, like, this is something new for them, and I think it really shows. Like, I think they, they're really excited for this direction, and I think that means a lot, like, as a player as well. Yeah, I really like the tune uh, that plays when you get a new party member as well. It has, like, that like that Dragon Quest yeah. chip tune uh, vibe to it whenever you get a new character. It's, um... You know, there's there's still a lot more to talk about in this game, um, but uh, I think there's a, a good like place to like kind of head it headed off like uh, our uh, pre-release thoughts. Uh, I played the whole game. I do want to, you know, give it another shot. I, I and maybe play on a higher difficulty. I don't know, but there's still 
They, I'm not that interested game. in like Zelda or some other November game, so I might I might give this one a go. This, uh, this was a game. Yeah, I, I definitely want to check out like try to 100 percent this game because this is a game that was on a very um, let's say tight deadline uh, and, uh, and whatnot. So yeah. yeah, I'm always like I'm really on board, even if it's not what I would want. I'm really on board whenever a studio says like. Like friends, you might you could probably easily argue that a turn-based RPG is less appealing to a broader set of people than a more action-oriented game. Mm-hmm. But when the studio defends itself by saying, like, you know what, this is what this is the game we wanted to make. This is what we wanted to do. This is what we're passionate about. Like, I don't know how you can really stand on the other side of that and be like, no, give me really a piece of seven <laughs> or, or whatever. Um, and I feel that a, a lot of times when a studio just they do something which may, might not be what people expected. The, the only example I can think of in my head right now is Obsidian with Grounded. People are like, this isn't the uh, the RPG I wanted. What the heck is it? And, but then there are defenses like, you know, we were playing a bunch of similar type games and we wanted to make one. Like, this is what we're passionate about at the moment. And then yeah. I don't know how, like, I'm always on board, like, even for Grounded, which I've never played, uh, being a fan of the studio. Like, I am completely 100% on board with them doing something different, branching out. Uh, and then the same is true here, where they're like, you know what, we wanna we wanna change it up a bit. We wanna. We that's wanna, that's know. certainly preferable to you know, like a developer trying to chase what's popular, just like trying to like really fit some math appeal, like just trying just, to yeah, make something. Yeah, Avengers like, maybe. You know, who knows if that's what they wanted to make, but they wanted to make something, or they were maybe mandated to make something by a publisher to try to sell as many units as possible, rather than you know going the you know what let's make a turn-based RPG route sort of thing. So I think that's definitely easier to support, rally behind. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm definitely with you with the. I usually am more fond of uh, just brand new things like. It, it, like there's like not even like you know a conventional sequel, but you know whenever whenever it comes to think about like games that I liked uh, at the end of the year, you know the the ones that I'd rate more high, highly on my list would be uh, games that uh, brand new games that brought like real new ideas to what they were trying to do over like oh you know we we made another we made Dynasty Warriors twenty and like it's the, it's it's like Dynasty Warriors three. It's like okay, cool. I guess, but I, I mean, you, you can you you can do. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying all sequels are bad. All original IP are good. I feel dumb that I have to say that, but you know, sometimes you do have to clarify. But mm-hmm. I think maybe I'm more lenient when it's a new idea because it might be rough in some places, like in the way that you mentioned with the weird battle positioning. But I'm sitting here like at least they're trying it. Like at least it's yeah. like this is something that. They had to learn like how to program this, how to design it, how to work the art around it. There, there was it never, fit. there was never a point in Yakuza Seven where I was like, "This is the wrong direction for this series." Thing, I, I'm super like not into this. There, there was never a point in my mind in my like 35 hours with it uh, that I was like, "No, this is the that they they should go back to what they were doing." It's like uh, I was like, "There, there is there is potential here. I can, I can see it. I can feel it. I'm. I hope they keep on going with it." I'm not the sort of person that really follows sales too much and like frets about whether the PS5 will sell 100 million or 120 million or, or whatever. But this game I am kind of curious on just because of the way it's been marketed, because it's such a long running series, because it's got a new like 
marketing partner with the way that Microsoft's been pushing it as kind of like this weird quasi next gen game sort of thing, which is might not be a great fit for the series like history, which is just kind of in a weird situation. It's like George obviously was had seen enough to get on board. And I do think that having the like the, the Microsoft muscle behind it will do good in the long run, even if you could argue that it might not be the best fit. Uh, but it really, and it just really comes down to like, does that overlap of all these different shifts that this, that this game represents in both its terms of its, uh, its character, its story arc, its design, and then its multi-platform from day one, just, is it, I'm just curious, like, I have no idea what to expect, basically. Yeah. It is a black uh, box. I think, I think, I think the Western sales for this game will be. Pretty important to see, like, how what is the Yakuza install, install base like these days, on top of like you know, on like newcomers as well. Like, what is oh, the strength yeah, of the Yakuza series and brand name in the West? And uh, the, the English dub as well is just you know, some people will say that like I played through Yakuza Zero, One, and Two in Japanese, so because obviously you have to uh and i couldn't really imagine playing it with with uh another language track but it's just one of those things where it's like if this gives us the opportunity to meet more people in the middle or whatever then they're gonna do it so it'll be interesting to see if that pays off as well so i can't really take any like i i can't even come up with any predictions like is this gonna sell one million i don't know i just don't know i hope so i i'd love to see like high sales for this game i think it's i think it's a really i i enjoyed this game a lot Mm. I would I, I hasten to say this before I've finished it but for me it's definitely going to be a talking point in the end of year talk like it's definitely it's made enough of an impact on me to go don't don't count out like a dragon just yet mm-hmm. I do like how we've got kind of I can't even explain like the mindset behind it but we, as a website as a outlet or whatever you want to call us we've covered yakuza for a while now even though it was never really an rpg not quite not not really and now it's kind of like oh this one we don't have to ask questions about like of course we're covering this one no. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't you don't have to second guess ourselves in this particular instance so uh we'll take credit for that i suppose yeah it, it, it was a blast i it comes out on in three days uh, at the time of this recording. So, if you're if you're looking forward to it, uh, I give it uh, two thumbs up. So that covers one of the feature shoutouts that was up available on the website this week. Josh's Yakuza Seven review. We also did put up a review on Pokemon <laughs> Sword and Shield's two halves of its expansion pass. So I don't know if James has any like really quick mark remark on this because I think he's already spoken to yeah uh, Sword and Shield Crown Tundra the last couple weeks. Yeah, I've spoken like the last two weeks in a row, and I'm I'm pretty sure like I already was working on writing up that review uh, last week. So I'm pretty sure you had it written; it just wasn't posted yet. So yeah, ah yeah. So this must this must have went up published like right after the podcast last week. So yep, we do have a and it's scored right. I do have a scored. Yeah, 8 out of 10. Yep, so we do have a scored review for both parts of the Pokemon Sword and Shield expansion pass, Isle of Armor, Crown Tundra. You can listen to the last two podcasts uh, to hear James's fuller thoughts or read his review. Uh, Long story short, they are very, very promising for the future of the series after Sword and Shield may be potentially underwhelmed. So give those two sets of reviews a read. 
and and also just a tease like you know uh for for future content especially coming this week uh for like a dragon there'll be a lot a lot more <laughs> like a dragon things coming to the site uh, <sighs> uh yeah so uh, there's a lot of content there might be some you know the, the, there'll be some answers people will will have for people will have questions about things and you might have the answer to some stuff Sick. yeah i get it so now we'll go on to the topical section of the uh, podcast. Let's talk about what new details we have for games releasing soon or not so soon coming up. Uh, the first one I want to mention is the one I woke up to. So Mass Effect Legendary Edition is real. I think it was pretty much at the point where it was like all but officially confirmed. Like we had the leaked rating. It had been like talked about in a lot of places like unofficially <laughs> for a while now, but now we've got a logo. We've got a short little teaser. Uh, it exists. So Mass Effect Legendary Edition trilogy set to release for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC in spring 2021. And they announced that on today and seven day, November 7th. And they also did mention that BioWare is working on a new Mass Effect title that is in development. So I yep, think this was kind of like, Oh, go ahead, Josh. They're saying it uh, that uh, the new Mass Effect is being uh, they they uh, called that a veteran team at the Velor Buyer Bioware. Whatever this new Mass Effect is, this is uh, from Bioware Studio General Manager Casey Hudson. They're in the early stages of the pro- on the project and can't say anymore. It's about it, and they and they released uh, like a teaser image of like this new Mass Effect. As well, and by the way, the um the legendary edition will have enhancements on on next gen, so it's. It's a current, it's kind of weird, like in a week, we'll all to be careful how we say current and next gen, but it's a, it's a Xbox One and PlayStation 4 release, uh, but we'll have enhancements on Series X and PlayStation 5. So like- Legendary Edition will have one, two, and, uh, one, two, and three, not Andromeda, right? Right. Yes. Okay. Correct. So- uh, Unfortunately, this- other than, other than, you know, the usual, like they, he, he said in the blog post that they're going to redo textures, models- you know, effects and things like that, higher resolution, better frame rate, which is, you know, kind of all the expected things. There are, you know, conversations about, are they going to redo Mass Effect 1 to be more like 2 and 3? Because it's, you know, they're they're a little bit different in how they're structured and styled in terms of the gameplay specifically. And we, the trailer didn't really show a whole lot. We didn't get anything like screenshots. So it's hard to, there's still a lot of, things we don't know in terms of like how this remaster is actually going to look or be is it just going to be a quick touch-up are they going to shift things more dramatically than that we don't really know yet so hopefully since it's called a legendary edition meaning this will be like the good edition of them don't make two and three more like one i knew yeah. this was going to come up <laughs> <laughs> but they um, um one of the insiders i think it was jeff grubb was mentioning that part of the reason why it's been incubating a while is because of that weird shift in priorities in terms of a gameplay thesis between one and the other two. So which direction are they moving that needle forward or backward? Uh, I guess we really don't know. Probably you could, you could say the safe guess is that they're going to try to make one more action oriented, but even then that feels weird to say like, man, I hope they, I'd rather they just release them and let the difference in perception just be what it was, because that's how we played through the series 10 years ago, 15 years Mm. ago. I don't know. I I feel like... Go ahead. 
I'm, I'm gonna cry when they fucking ruin Mass Effect One, man. <laughs> I personally, I've never really played any of them properly. I think I was there when Mass Effect Two came out, and that was like a, a really big deal, getting like really high scores. I played that a bit, never really picked it up properly. Early high school Mass Effect Two. Oh, I'm, I'm dying. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Where, where was I when Mass Effect Two came out? So oh, in like 2010. Yeah. Oh no, I, I was I was younger than that when Mass Effect Two came out. I said high scores, like when it got like oh, nine. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was younger than that, I believe, <laughs> which well, is worse. Under uh, the baby, Swordsers and swaddlers. But... I'm gonna fall back <laughs> into my coffin. And then when Mass Effect the the third one came out, I was like, I, I don't know what. I'm not making this about my age now, whatever. But that came out, got like. Still pretty good reviews, so I tried that out, and it, the, the series has just never clicked for me. I, I feel like I loved all of the decision making and the story stuff and the characters. That all like really hit a beat, but the gameplay just—I uh, don't know. Uh, I, I guess I was just maybe expecting too much from it from the reviews and being quite young. So I'm looking forward to like going in to one of the series that like I've missed out on. It's one of those where it's like almost universal like a claim like pretty much everyone i know loves it like no one is just there like yeah it's okay like if people like it they really like it uh so i'm looking forward to sort of seeing what that's all about should have a uh, knights of the old republic legendary edition but make the gameplay more like force unleashed Ooh, no <laughs> personally um like i liked the mass effect series i think they're pretty good to varying degrees or in various ma- ma- manners but I'm not really like itching to replay it. I'm just kind of like, yeah, I played them all already. I'm good. <laughs> I, I'm curious to see what they'll do to Mass Effect, but I think that's that's uh, my biggest curiosity out of it. And I guess that, that'll be the biggest thing of like, all right, what did you guys do to my baby? I'm kind of interested. For in those who game. don't, sorry, go ahead. I was. Um, this might sound a little bit silly, but I'm kind of interested in this game as kind of like for. I don't know what the word is, record keeping? Because right now, like to get the Mass Effect experience, it's just so weird because of the way like, yeah, like the, the original Mass game Mass was an Xbox game pass, studio. Wasn't so. the original game like Microsoft Game Studios? And then it didn't have a PC release originally. And then it eventually got one. And then it was like late port to PS3. And then the current PC release was on Origin. And then which used Bioware points, and then eventually Origin switched to regular dollars, and now they're coming out on Steam. And is Origin long for this world? I don't even know. And not only that, like Mass Effect Three got on was released on Wii U. (laughs) Really? Mass Effect Three was released on Wii U at the same time as the Trilogy Collection was releasing on 360 and PS3. And it was just Mass Effect Three on the Wii U. Yeah. And yeah. then that didn't sell well, and EA basically said, okay, so we're not going to support the Wii U, even though, of course, people are just going to buy the least liked game in the series when the entire trilogy is the same price on the other consoles. And then, like, the Mass Effect 3 had that weird online pass where, like, back in that era where you got, like, a code if you bought a retail, you know, unused game to punch in to get, like, uh, here's your here's your freebie for not daring to buy this game used or secondhand. Yeah, there was and that was two like year period the- where games had those online passes. That was fun. What a weird era! And EA was like the one publisher that went really gung ho about them. So, anyways, I'm so 
I it'd be really cool to have one SKU or whatever you want to call it, where it's like this is Mass Effect one, two, and three. Everything that was released post, you know, original launch, all the DLC, all the additions, just just you want to get into Mass Effect instead of telling people like how to navigate Origin and Bioware points and weird PC stuff or whatever. Just here it is. So no, it's kind, of, kind of like that Kingdom Hearts complete collection thing. Yes, that's great. That's actually I a great did. comparison. Only Kingdom Hearts was uh, yeah, arguably doing more legwork because it's pulling from way more consoles and types of releases. <laughs> things to be like perfectly that. clear, though, like this Legendary Edition is still for everything else except Switch. Yes, it's not coming out on Switch. So that can take be, that. Like, I surely. I feel like it's almost unfair to say like, oh, well, the Switch can just get like the original games, but like that's better than not getting the games at all, right? Like, if I were strictly playing on Switch and someone said you get the choice of no Mass Effect games at all, or you can have them like not really polished up, but that you know they're just there, like I think I'd prefer that than. And it's and the Switch has gotten like the Bioware game or not the Bioware Bioshock games and things like that from, that are from like a similar era. So I know it's yeah. not the same genre, but it's doesn't seem like it should be impossible. Or they, they could go uh, go with the cloud versions, man. Go the cl- uh, control and Hitman 3 route. But, like, if the Wii U can handle Mass Effect 3, then, like, surely the Switch can handle... Like, that. that's the most taxing of the of the trilogy, surely. So just just doing, like, simple math in my head, like, it, it should be feasible. Well, they, like, have, they have... They're, they have more math on their table than we have access to, if it makes sense. I guess they must yeah. realize that the effort, whether it's high or low, whatever those numbers are, to release it on Switch, they're not going to get a return. If they, I would have to think that if they if they could if they could model that they would get a return on it worth investing the time to porting it, that they would have, right? That they're not, so they must see something that says it wouldn't be worth it. I the guess. the math on uh, uh, three switch cartridges in a single uh, case is too much. It is it's it is curious though because like you thought maybe maybe the success that Witcher three saw on Switch might get more people to be like all right we'll 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 do the effort required to get this thing to work to get this to release, but maybe I guess maybe not maybe that didn't make much of a splash. That but thing is that, like the fact that that's even possible when people say. Oh well, that that couldn't come to that couldn't come to Switch. Like it's it's too too powerful. I'd say like they got The Witcher three on there. That's like, that's not even just like a a medium sized RPG. That's a big RPG. Like there's no reason why Kingdom Hearts can't be on the Switch. Come on. Well, not only that, but like the physical I, I, Switch I, I, edition I, 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 of. Sorry, I was gonna say this physical Switch edition of Witcher three. Like they went they went all out for it. Like it's almost like a collector's edition in itself. It gives you like a little map and a couple other things. Like they went. They they didn't just like here's a crappy port of a game. Well, I guess depending on your opinion, it still may not be a great port. But they didn't do the bare minimum. They like really wanted to say like we support this. Here it is. And then five hundred five games was just kind of is that the publisher of Control right? Five hundred five, right? Um, and they they like with no pomp and circumstance at all. They're like here's Control on Switch, and we're doing it through this experimental you know cloud method. Like here it is because. And then EA is kind of the opposite, where it's like, please, EA, support it. And they're like, no, we will not. <laughs> Did you have something to uh, to say, James? Sorry, I talked over you. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, no, no, I feel bad. Well, if it comes back up, just just shout over me. Uh, well, but yeah, so massive... I'm, try- I'm trying to think of the, like, the last EA g- game that came out on Switch. Was it FIFA? FIFA? 
the really awful like <laughs> uh, like I'll, I'll just think of like the didn't what a great benchmark came out yeah but I don't know beyond that I can't think of anything like it, it must just be like the I guess technically Apex Legends in the future as well at some point I, that, I remember, I, remember. Uh, I wonder how many developers actually hate the team that ported Witcher 3 to Switch because now they have even more people saying, why isn't this game on Switch? Than <laughs> yeah. yeah, like Witcher 3 and Doom are, I guess are the big like technical examples. Like Persona, why is that on Switch? Come on, guys. Where's hey, Persona 5 Scramble? Yeah, we're Scramble. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you, Scramble? I mean, there's your Persona. <laughs> that, 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 that's that's going to be like a weird big absence for this year, though. Everyone would have thought by, by now to know. Well, that's enough for Mass Effect. We'll look forward to it on Sw- in spring 2021, not on Switch. We also got an announcement about new characters in Bravely Default 2. So we learned last week or the week before that this was releasing in February and not landing in 2020 like originally planned. And we already knew the, the, the four main characters from the original announcement and the original artwork. But this week they announced some other characters of the game. And these are the asterisk holders, so the ones that Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, but these are the these are basically. Well, some of them are basically oh, they, when they when they announced the release date last week. I think some of this some of this information was like posted on like the website afterwards, so some of this info might be like actually like a week old or whatever. But we, we never got before the release date announcement like a full like introduction to our primary cast really, and then they also introduced some of the secondary cast members as well. So. For example, this world that this world that this game is set in is called like Excellent, Excellent, um, and it has five different kingdoms. One of the kingdoms is the kingdom of Musa, which Gloria is the princess of. But apparently, this kingdom has fallen, and she takes refuge in a different kingdom of Halcyonia. And that apparently, this is like the main premise to the game. Catalyzing it is that she's trying to basically re- regain like the crystal to her kingdom, so she can re basically reform it. And so that seems to be like the catalyst, the premise behind the game. And then they introduce some other characters like Sloan of the Blue Forest, who is a loyal retainer of the princess Gloria of Musa, and Placido Halcyonia, who is the king of Halcyonia, who is deeply trusted by citizens for his uptight governance. And he's basically sheltering the princess Gloria from her kingdom right now. So and we, all, we are also introduced to two of the asterisk holders one of them has a great name, Dag Rampage, who is a vanguard, and Celine Noetic, who is a white mage. So it's kind of, and then they, they release more. <laughs> they release more information about like the game system, but it seems like it's pretty similar to the other Bravely games in terms of it's a RPG that has a class system. They they've introduced several classes so far. Let me see. You can um, brave, you can default in it. Yeah, Freelancer, White Mage, Black Mage, Monk, Vanguard, Thief, Beastmaster, Gambler, and Bard are the ones that have been introduced so far. You can have a primary class and a secondary class. Bravely Default was kind of a successor to Final Fantasy V in a way, and this is obviously just more of that in terms of its class setup. Um, The Bravely series, its kind of unique element is the Brave Default system where you can basically stockpile additional turns and then borrow from, it's kind of weird to explain, but kind of like borrow from turns in the future to use them now, but you can't use them later to attack more than once per turn and kind of have to strategize what classes you're using, your party composition, how you're using your turns. That all seems to be the same. Um, What's different with Bravely Default 2, of course, 
is the art style. It's got this clay motion, clay kind of aesthetic to it. Yeah, claymation is the word. That, that, was an, that was a comparison that I made last week, and I don't know if anyone else sees it, but that's kind of just what I think of when I see this. It's kind of that. I, I think of it too, but I also remember that like the last game that tried to do this was like Terra Wars. Do you remember that? It yeah, like, but I, it's worth mentioning. I think I mentioned this last week. The the developer behind this game is literally called Claytech Works. It's like, huh? Oh, yeah. so like, yeah. I did not know that when I made that comparison. Like that's just so okay. They must have done what they set out to do properly then, because that was a comparison yeah. I had in my head without even like knowing that detail. Mechanically, though, I remember someone mentioning this who played the demo. This is like a weird like mechanics nerd thing here, but. Bravely Default 2, I guess, is like a pure turn-based where each character kind of acts on their own turn, whereas the older Bravely games were more like a round-based system where you kind of like set up the the actions and then they all go at the same time, like in a round. So that's like this weird, like, you know, mechanical difference between the two games. And Maybe some people, some people don't really care about take that. that like, I'm the sort of person where it's half of one 50 percent of the other like i don't really have a preference between any either of those like i kind of treat them as like in the same bucket but there are some people like i hate round base it's awful i hate selecting and then waiting and then selecting and waiting i don't know some people are really passionate about the about the nuances that can arise between the, the slight little differences and how you interact with the game with those two different styles i think it does basically. have a real effect on things like in strategy whether you know you're going to acting as a turn or acting as a group or you know I hope they bring back nerdy things. I hope they bring back all those options from the first bravely default of like how you want to set your random encounter rate and all that stuff that the the original game had. I I think bravely second also had it. But yeah, and more and more games have sort of em- embraced that since then. But bravely default was sort of one of the first. Like, hey, you know, if you just don't want to fight random encounters here, just turn them off. I, I hope Fun. that. Um, I wonder. I, I kind of wonder about like the team on Bravely Default too. Uh, I, I, obviously, I don't know like the like the staff, like the, all the staff of like if they were all involved in the story of the first uh, two games. But like if they if there's any effect of like the legacy of like the first game, because like whenever you speak to someone who's played like all of the first game, they're like, "Yeah, it was a good game, but the second half really really dragged," you know. And I wonder if they've they ha- they've heard that feedback behind the scenes of like, oh. That was just a weird, like, what's the word? It was a weird decision. It was ambitious in a weird way. Like, yeah, we're going to do it and structure it this way. But it was just, the end result was just kind of like, and, and then like kind of tedious. And I, remember, up this way. I remember like the reception of Bradley Second just like was nowhere near the first game. It was kind of just kind of was felt flat from like people just didn't really talk about Bradley Second all that much. It's like, that's. Kind of like that other other game. Uh, Bravely Second borrowed a ton from Bravely Default. Like almost every single map, like ninety percent of the maps were the same, and it had like the same asterisk holders and like the same boss fights, and the and the classes were pretty much the same outside of like two new ones. So it it kind of just felt like there were were localization changes too on Bravely Second that a lot of people didn't take great uh, issue. They had issue with it. As someone who never played Bravely Default or Second. I didn't realize that Bravely Second borrowed so I just assumed it was like a typical sequel. Like in my mind, it was Final Fantasy Four and Five, like two different games that had some similarities. But you're saying it's like Final Fantasy Four, Final Fantasy Four After Years, or whatever. It, it, it's kind of like imagine Final Fantasy Ten Two, but like with none of the new areas. It was just like 
going through all the old areas again. You know, it was just sort of no, like, that's not, oh, that's, that's so not inherently bad. As many. But it was just it was, it was so much of it, like not just the areas, but like the boss fights and everything was just a ton of retread. And the story stuff was okay, but it couldn't like hold it up on its own. So I felt like it was a pretty good game on its own, but like coming off of Bravely Default, it's just like, oh, okay, it's. I know I said it like three times now, but it's just like, oh, it's just literally more like of the exact same thing with new characters. So Bravely Default two definitely anyway. looks, yeah, definitely looks different. So maybe this will be. Uh a better follow-up to that even though it's then you got like the the nuance of the, the different developer putting their own twist on it their own yeah. take on it are they going to be able to are, is it going to feel different when you play through it because it's not coming from the same place i wonder speaking of classic final fantasy games that george will never play uh <laughs> final fantasy yeah final fantasy 4 on Steam and mobile, this is the version based on the 3D DS version with like the GBS models. Uh, got a surprise update or got it, got, or is it planned? It did, okay, it did update. So uh, the mobile and PC version of Final Fantasy IV had an update which improved the UI, added ultra widescreen support and added a bunch of several like Asian languages that have been added to, to the game officially. So kind of just um, that, like a weird... Just to know, that also includes Japanese. Like, this game was not available on PC in Japanese before now. Oh, I didn't realize even that. And on PC for, like, four or six years in English. So, yeah. It's just... It just kind of seems like bookkeeping, almost, where it's just, like, going back to something that's already established. Like, you could you, you could play this on Steam for several years now. But I, I always do appreciate it when developers say, like, you know what, let's go back to this game and let's just make it you know we'll add these things that maybe you know ultra widescreen support wasn't vogue you know five years ago but now it kind of is kind of an expectation so let's go back and add it like there's something about that that's just very like tidy to me it's i i really enjoy kind of seeing like you know what we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take some of our effort and, and just make this a better experience for people who decide you know, in 2021, I want to play Final Fantasy IV. So here it is. Uh, we're going I mean, to get a better experience. I actually did play through the PC version of Final Fantasy IV earlier this year just because I had never played the 3D version before. So I was just sort of like, you know what? I know it's different enough from like the experience I've already played. So let me just play it. And so, like, yeah, I kind of I agree with you. I agree with exactly what you're saying in terms of just let's just let's just tweak it a little bit, polish it up. You know, it's not like a major content update or anything like that, but just you know, polish it up. Apparently they fixed the UI in places. Uh, I don't know if it's actually fixed or if they're just saying that. Um, and then of course the new languages opens it up to more people in more areas who want, who might want to play it eventually. So it's, it's nice. If, if, and then they recently, if, not recently, but like earlier this year, they had a similar update with Final Fantasy three on PC, you know, which is not like a popular Final Fantasy game, but it it's nice that they, you know, gave it some attention. If they went back and said, we are going to look at the PC release of, this isn't quite as classic a game, though you might argue that it is. Final Fantasy Thirteen, so its PC release is very weird. It runs weird. It, it's a hard thing to gauge how well it's going to run, and it's it's kind of like it was Final Fantasy Thirteen was kind of like the I don't is it was was it the first Final it was Fantasy an early game? it was an early Final Fantasy game on PC yeah like one, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was, it was one of the first major Japanese RPGs on PC kind of helping break through that. 
barrier before they became relatively yeah. common on the platform. It wasn't the first, but it was kind of like an inflection point. Early. Once Final yeah. Fantasy 13 landed on Steam, everything was on the table from Square Enix. And most of it is, except for Tactics. Where's Tactics? Where's Final Fantasy IV's PSP version? I'd play that on Steam. But anyways, if they went back to those sorts of games and just polished them up, added widescreens, ultra-wide support, or uh, changed, you know, made, made them just more convenient to play in 2020, 2021, and on, like, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Though I do realize... You can't always just like mortgage a section of your development capability to only just keep polishing what's behind you. Otherwise, you're just going to run out of resources. But I do think I do think it's really cool that they can do that uh, at some sort of periodic cadence with some just sort of metered approach where every couple times a year, they'll go back to a, a game in their catalog and just touch it up with their new capabilities or new know-how, new, new available tech. Kind of related, um, I think it was this year, earlier this year, um, Final, uh, Square Enix revisited Final Fantasy XII, uh, like PC and PS4 versions, and they, these versions all kind of released staggered, and they up back kind of backported the updates that came to like the Switch version of that game and added them back to the PC and the PS4 versions, and that's just nice to see. Oh, that was such a weird era where it's like if you buy this version of Twelve Remaster, you don't get uh two classes or you don't get respect well, I, I think get... i think yeah the respect was the biggest thing because in the ps4 and i think original steam version you had to basically like choose your class and that you're stuck with it um and that felt weird so now it, it's just nice that they that they revisited it and now now all the versions of Final Fantasy 12 on the modern like the zodiac age version are pretty much you know equivalent you know besides like performance you know on switch and ps4 or whatever but yeah Weird that, like, you know, making features universal is a good thing. Yeah, it's like, I guess it's sort of a min bare minimum you'd expect, but hey, they did it. Speaking of early Japanese games on PC, they never did go back with the last Remnant remaster, did they? Because that came out on PC originally, like, 08, 09. And it was kind of like this weird standalone thing where it's like, here's a Square Enix game on PC that no one really likes, uh, except Adam. I like uh, it. And then they took it <laughs> off, and had the remaster on all the consoles and it's it's kind of weird yeah the remaster is, on, the is on ps4 it's on switch it's on phones but it's not on pc put the last remnant put uh final fantasy tactics and put final fantasy 4 complete collection on pc i would like if like if they like i would i would buy any one of those probably on day zero probably all right we also have a note here about Another Square Enix game, surprisingly, uh, Marvel's Avengers. So they recently announced uh, a few <laughs> kind of disappointing uh, financials related yeah. to this game. This, Go ahead, this report, uh, Yeah, this report originally came from David Gibson um, going over Square Enix's financials. Uh, they reported uh, a $6.5 billion uh, yen loss on Marvel's Avengers, and that's roughly now... Uh, 60% of their projected plans for it. And so they've, it's closer to around, man, for development costs after the math is all worked out, uh, the you surmise that it's more like around 170 to 190 million dollars USD. <laughs> and they only made $3 million or so from that. They've, they lost around $65 million on that game and that game barely came out how many months ago got uh two 
It was September, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's... that's... Well, I think we can finally answer the question, which bombed worse, Avengers or Anthem? It sounds like Avengers, because didn't Anthem sell like 5 million copies or something? Wow. I don't, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know uh, exactly who. But, but in terms of like, I'm, I'm sure this probably lost the most out of those two for sure because the development goes for costs were so freaking high on this game. Especially okay. with the marketing involved in that. It it hits close to home because hmm. I was I was singing well I wasn't singing yeah. praises. That that's that's probably a step too far, but I was pleasantly surprised when I played this. I was like, you know what? Like if they expand on this and improve it, like maybe there's a really promising thing there and with sales numbers like this, like even if they are expanding it, who's going to be playing it? Like, I, I was so certain that I would, but like, as we go into a new generation, I'm not exactly clamoring for it. Like, even with Spider-Man coming to it, like, it's just if you can't get someone like me who loves comics and like has a really addictive personality, if you can't get me like replaying your game, then I don't know, man. Like, I just don't see. <sighs> The yeah, worst, the worst case scenario is if this does something to either Crystal Dynamics or Idos Montreal. Like, both of them are really they're, they're both really talented developers, and it sucks when any developer goes down. But not like this, not not for a Avengers. I don't, I, don't think, I don't. I don't think they're gonna close up shop on there. I think that they're like Square is gonna try to turn this around. They they said they're trying gonna try to make recovery on it. You know, like you know, everyone always chases the the classic. Final Fantasy fourteen dream of like turning things around, like no matter how bad it gets, we can still do it. Like even yeah. to a certain that Destiny has had those phases as well. Like no matter how bad things get, we can still turn this around. You know, so the like Anthem is trying to do it. Now this is gonna try to do it. Like it's 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 a weird thing with service games, you know. Like uh, I think I think by this point, a lot of people agree with the vendors. Like they really should have just doubled down on making like, a really great single player experience and mm. put resources on that. Because you know, I, like I'll, like you and a lot of other people who played this game, like said, yeah, the best part about it was just going through the main campaign and the story. Like we liked it; that was a pretty good thing. And like uh, the, the the service side of this never has really panned out. Especially with like, especially with, with uh, delays on like content delays because they have to work on so many bug fixes, and that compounds the problem of like, oh, where's the content? Well, we can't get to the content because we're trying to fix this game still because it came in really hot. I, I will say this: um, I think if the leaks are true and also what they've announced so far, what's coming up is really cool. Like they've got Black Panther, they've got Captain Marvel. Those are the the leaked ones, but then they've also got like Hawkeye announced. Like there is some really cool stuff here, and I I probably will go back and check it if if not just to talk about it here. But I really just don't see people like coming back for that. Yeah, I, I think it's it's like with Anthem. Like I I really like the idea that they're gonna try and rescue it from what it ended up being. But at a certain point, I think you just have to stop and go. Okay, that didn't work, but people are interested in. A Marvel's Avengers single player thing, like oh, I don't know, it's just such Speaking a sad about story. Anthem, this kind of cross pollinating this story with the um, Mass Effect story. It's just interesting that Bioware seems like they're very early in development on a new Dragon Age. They've got this Mass Effect remaster and then early, early development on a new title, 
Anthem has been in rebuild mode for a while. It's just kind of interesting to see, like, have three parallel efforts like that, all of them kind of seemingly pretty far off, with and, the exception and, of the not like a huge developer, you know. There are, there are a few hundred, I believe. They're so good, yeah, good. studios, so depending on location, the Bioware, yeah, projects. It's, it's still just like okay, they have people on the new the new Republic, the MMO still. I mean, that's probably a smaller oh, yeah, team. Anthem, Dragon Age, and Mass Effect. You know, so I, I, I guess Dragon Age is probably their focus right now. I would imagine. I'd have to so, have to believe that. Yeah. Mm. I, I, well, we see more from this Mass Effect title. Uh, unless Under they've 2,000 really... people currently playing Aven- uh, less than 1,500 people currently playing Avengers on Steam. For a comparison, just... about 10,000 people are playing Fallout 76, another one of those very, very <laughs> servicey sort of uh, very widely pilloried games when it released. And it didn't have its Realm Reborn moment because what games do? Very, very, very few. But uh, it guess... seems like Fallout 76, not to get off topic, but is like trending in the right direction. I know you basically said like with the Wastelanders update, it was like better, but still not great. It's like and very, I... very slowly. It's like, it's not it's climbing like... a mountain. It's like walking uphill for a very long time. Like eventually they'll get up there, but <laughs> it's just very, very slow. But some of this... I... I don't know what the path of recovery is to Avengers because, uh, like yeah, George mentioned, you know, there there are you know the lead characters and data mines and whatnot. But what's the driving point of like, okay, release this character? It might be like a sub story or story behind them and like that. But I, I just don't. If you don't have like the legs now to like uh, provide like a compelling, like, is there like some sort of like roadmap that they're sticking to at this point? I don't. I have to believe not. I just don't know what like what what's the persistent content. That'll convince people to come back to it again and again. Is it like, oh man, are there are there like cool like raid boss villains that you can get like loot from, and like continue to do that until infinity to do higher difficulty levels of that? I just don't know. I don't know what what'll keep people with the coming back to Avengers on this road to recovery. Yeah, it the sounds like. Is, Go ahead, George. Uh, the following the leaks again, which have come out like when the game first came into beta and are coming out now so don't take it all it's it's grain of salt with all of it as always is with leaks but like ultron is rumored to be a part of it from some like data in the game uh and you've got all these characters like there is potentially a vision there there's potentially something really really cool coming up like maybe it's not that spider-man too that's right yeah like like spider-man it like, should be enough for so many people to come back but but like, having a um... playstation I don't know. Is it? They have have a Spider-Man game coming up. I have not, so I've not played Avengers, but part of me, just at a very surface level, me making a few assumptions, so yell at me if if this is in the wrong direction, but I just feel like characters and cameos can only go so far. That's kind of skin deep. That's kind of junk food. Like, go back to the same game, only now you can play as Black Panther. Yeah, that that might give you a little bit of a bump, but I feel like it's more systemic where you have to do something like what Josh is like, saying like some sort of instance repeatable reason to go back and do weeklies or play with your friend group every other week to do a raid boss or something like i feel like that sort of update talking about like new game modes or polished up game modes or something like that would be just as important as talking about how how hawkeye is going to shake things up you know what i mean (laughs) Oh yeah, Hawkeye is really gonna do it. <laughs> I, I, I do think it's kind of funny how like the first new character is Hawkeye. Like 
even whichever Hawkeye, just like, oh, okay, Hawkeye. Yeah. People are really excited for Hawkeye. Well, the, the sad, sad part there is that from one of the streams, I, I keep saying sad because generally Avengers makes me very sad. Um, from the first stream, they were like, oh, we actually wanted to talk about like Black Panther first. He was supposed to be the big main reveal, and so it was like Wakanda, but obviously literally a few days before that, Chadwick Boseman passed away, so they... I'm, I'm guessing they just went, okay, Black Panther are way off now, we're going to take what was next, and that was Kate Bishop and Hawkeye. So, like, that sucks that that happened, because Black Panther would have been a great foot forward. Um, obviously, it sucked more what happened to Chadwick Boseman, but it just feels like nothing for this game can go right, really. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm really interested to see, like, Maybe I, 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 will, I will definitely keep an eye on what they decide to do going forward because this is. Look, I'm just saying that when I went into this year, uh, this should have been like one of the biggest games on paper, and now to see like Genshin Impact out of nowhere kind of steal its lunch. Yeah, well, I remember saying like an earlier podcast. I'm on record saying this: like this game is too big to fail. Just put it on the front store cap of every you know store because Marvel superheroes. That's how can you fail that? And now I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Maybe, uh, maybe it's not such a. Uh, maybe it's not such a uh, I just thought that like this would be the perfect game to sell to like anyone because it's such a big IP. But I guess that just wasn't enough in this case. So. I thought I was going to get into it. I was, I, I go into it. I was like, oh, I'll probably give this shit game a shot. This is probably going to be good. It's Crystal Dynamics, and it is good. It like it is. It, I, I was thinking about this when I saw the news come out about it selling so poorly and then my mind started racing like okay are they gonna like cut off some content they had planned are they just gonna stop supporting it which i doubt they will because that would cause like hellfire but i oh, think yeah. it'll settle some bit down for sure like i think they're definitely gonna do a bit less for it a lot of what i said in my review was sort of aiming on like this idea of potential so it was like this is a great first step forward but like what's next is really what's got me excited and now it's like uh-oh. <laughs> like, it's, what's going to happen now? It's such a shame. Well, maybe it won't have its Realm Reborn moment. Maybe it'll have its Fallout 76 slow, Dude, agonizingly okay, slow is, step this is upwards. Is what it's going to be. Uh, the next year, the PS5 and Xbox Series X version is going to be all polished up. Might have a few characters in it. It's going to be Avengers colon Assembled Edition. Uh, That's what it's going to be. Wasn't that what they called the Flex Edition as well? I don't know. I didn't keep them. <laughs> <laughs> sure. If they already did it, then they then yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Ugh. On happier news. Now I gotta pick a story to, to follow that up that segue with. I don't know if I've got one. <laughs> What's the happy news? Mm. Uh, anyways, here's a couple updates for games that we've covered. Just small little tidbits. Uh Star Renegades is launching for Nintendo Switch and Xbox One on November 19th, and PlayStation 4 on November 25th. Uh, this is a game that Adam covered for its original uh, PC release. And we also did a casual mode little video about it. And you felt pretty positive about it, except that it was a little bit light on content. And then they are going to po update it post-release with new characters, new areas. But this isn't... They've already updated it a bit. Uh, oh, the short version is I, I really like the art style, the soundtrack, and the battle system for the game. And that's like, you know, most of it. But I just kind of felt like being a roguelike, that actual like roguelike loop 
was there it was too samey it was there wasn't enough like randomness or content that you were going through and it was just sort of i, I felt it was a little thin like you're just it it wasn't really interesting or engaging to do it over and over sort of thing so i feel like this might be a game worth visiting in a year or so when maybe they're they've updated it and added a planet or enemies or new characters you can use or things like that um it's, it's not technically an early access release but it might be worth sort of treating it like one um so is this Maybe this is me drawing a comparison between two games that are too too dissimilar, but this almost seems like the opposite of Avengers. So maybe that segue actually worked okay. Where this system, you seems like this game seems like it works really well. It's got a lot of you know smart ideas behind its systems. It's got a compelling loop. You just need more variety. Where adding new characters to it, you think is kind of just what the game needs. Where for Marvel, it just seems like adding new characters to it doesn't address the problem. Is that is that too simple of a comparison, or am I on anything there? Well, like this is maybe an unfair comparison, but it's a roguelike, and if we compare it to some other popular roguelike that's available right now, Hades, mm-hmm. Hades has like a progression system that takes place kind of alongside your roguelike loop. So every time you play, you kind of feel like you're moving towards some goal, whether it's achieving a prophecy or powering up a character or a weapon or whatever. And also, like, um, each time you do a loop, there's, like, new conversations with characters that can occur and different story elements that are coming out of that. And that's another thing, I guess, with Star Renegades is that there is, like, no story at all. It's very low-lying. So it pretty much is has to rely on its mechanics and, and, other, and you know, aesthetic and content. So I feel like the fact that it is sort of thin there is its biggest weakness. So adding, I know they said they want to add like planets, which will have new enemies and things like that, new characters that you build with your party. And so I, I feel like it needs that to be like, to, to make it more engaging, to, to go through that loop more than just a few times, which is what I did. So yep, Star Renegades, uh, we thought reasonably positive on it with a few shortcomings, it is coming to console before the end of the year. Another indie-ish type game that is getting an update is Buck Fables. So uh, this is a game that I thought pretty highly of, uh, even though I, I played the PC Bug version. Fables. Bug Definitely. Fables. <laughs> the Everlasting Sapling. So uh, it's getting its 1.1 update. Did they do a date for this? Uh, a few days ago, November 5th. Oh, November 5th. All right. So uh, if it, they're adding uh, basically new quests, new bosses, the typical sort of post-release update, a few quality of life changes, such as being able to sprint on the world map. Uh, or sorry, not the world map, just in the overworld, just during regular gameplay. And they say other mysterious additions. So I wonder if like... If you got um, they released the patch notes for this, and they there's actually like a ton of like balance change things. And like other bugs that they've squashed. It's kind of funny. Bug fables, squashing ah, bugs. I get it. I, get it. Um, I know like one, like one thing, for example, that only if you played the game, does this make any sense, but some of Vi's like needle throw moves have actually been nerfed because they were too strong. <laughs> um, and so they did, a, they did some balance changes, bug fixing in the bug game. And then they also added some like post game quests and boss fights. Like for example, you can now fight, Leela and Stratos, which is like that one other adventure team that they kind of help you out with like some comments, but you never actually see them in battle. And like, oh, now you get to fight them, sort of thing. So it's you Sorry. know it's a cool little update. 
I always feel kind of weird whenever there's like balance updates for a single player game. Like, I get it that you don't want to like have something be way overtuned where it trivializes the design of a certain boss or a certain like so of the game itself. But I also feel like it's less critical to have a great sense of balance for a single player game compared to a multiplayer game or like an MMO. I guess I no, never really yeah. use wise needles. Well, it's the thing, I guess, being like from a small indie team, they probably couldn't get a lot of like, you know, quality so assurance sort of testing on it. So it's just like, well, we're going to take this opportunity just to tweak it while we can because we didn't get that chance before. So, yeah. So yeah, but I get what you're saying. An update. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I, I don't think we'll count it as a this year release because it came out last year. But it, I think it's a really good game. If you're if you're not if you're the sort of person that says like I don't play indie games or beneath me or whatever, uh, I'd still, I'd still say like, of course, if you are the sort of person that misses classic Paper Mario as good as Origami King was, it was just like a different style different style of game. Uh, Bug Fables is good. You should try it. I'm repeating myself from like April, but. Play, I still play believe it. Yes, play bug fables. Thinking, I, I, I like I it. Didn't put this, I didn't put this on diet, but uh, since we're covering uh, w- update one point ones, the upcoming, I think this week, uh, Genshin Impact gets uh, its one point one update. That a lot of people have been clamoring for because it adds uh, more story now. Because you know it's an ongoing thing. There's be new story content, new characters coming. In the banners, uh, there's gonna be they're gonna add like a, a reputation system in the in the major cities. Uh, raising your reputation rank uh, lets you craft new things like a portable oven, um, radars for like the the items that you can trade in for more stamina. Um, and I'm trying to think what else they they're adding, but I think that the big thing for a lot of people is uh, more story and uh, new characters they can roll for and try when they don't get them. Huh. It's uh, does this uh, someone that hasn't played Genshin Impact? Does this up- update address resin at all? Uh yeah, it it does. Uh, the the resin uh system in the game is a lot of the the big limiting factor end game because a lot of things that you want to grind for in that game cost uh, a a certain amount of resin. It's kind of like the traditional gacha game stamina system. Um, in this update, you can uh store resin now, so you can like cash in your resin that you can use later. So if you don't have time to like use your resin now, you can like just store that to uh, be able to use later. I you think can it's kind of like bank it. Yeah, and then continue like regening resin and then just have the use that portable or stored resin later. So that's the way they're addressing. I think they're uh, slightly upping the cap. It doesn't, uh, in my eyes, I don't think it really addresses the core problem of it, but they're kind of, it's kind of a Band-Aid. Well, it'll be interesting to see if uh, people who are really into that game that thought it really made a splash think that 1.1 is a step in the right direction for a few of its end game uh, issues. Issues seems too strong a word. Limitations? Yeah, say limitations. Here's another kind of indie-ish game with an update. Not that Genshin Impact's indie, but more Star Renegades and uh, Bug Fables. Temtem which was kind of the hot, the hotness from early this year that seems to kind of have fallen off, the uh, Pokemon-like, is coming to PlayStation 5 on December 8th. Now, it is still being treated... 5? Sorry. Yeah, PlayStation 5. Yeah, Pokemon it yeah, it's, it's, it's PlayStation 5. 
before any other console. And yes, it's Pokemon. I think okay. that's a joke. Yeah, uh, I get it. But it is still being considered uh, early access. So it's early access on Steam, which it released in January of this year. Uh, so, and it will so have like 30 years Xbox. ago. Yeah. Um, it will have an Xbox series and a Nintendo Switch version next year at some point. Uh, so who knows when we'll get 1.0 for this game, let alone 1.1. But are uh, they are they adding raid are by getting ray traced Pokemons in it? Uh, you'll have to watch the trailer because I did not. Uh, I don't know. But, okay, it's kind of interesting because like I think part of the reason why this game had that early success was because it was hot on the heels of Sword and Shield, which really disappointed people. But now I kind of feel like people are over that. Plus, if they play the expansion pass content, maybe they really are back into They're just playing Sword and Shield instead of playing the uh, the lookalike, the knockoff. So I don't want to call it a knockoff because I've never played it. But it just feels like it just feels like it's it had that's like flash in the pan moment and then never carried it forward. It was the fad that Pokemon never really was. Congrats, so. congrats to PS5 for getting two Pokemon games this year. That's awesome. <laughs> Temtem and Bug Snacks. Yes. Uh, let's see. I don't think there's really any other details nested in here uh, other than the fact that it's releasing next month. It's about a month from tomorrow. Temtem on PlayStation 5. It's weird that we can talk about PlayStation 5 games just like, yeah, we'll, we'll be playing them by the next time okay, or two that we talk. Let's take a survey. Who's getting a next generation device in here before we have another podcast? Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> Sorry, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only one that's doing? <laughs> For some reason, that just... Oh, man, that just slayed me. But uh, no, uh, I'm... I may, If I see it, like... I'm not. I wasn't itching to get a pre-order. I didn't like set my timers or my now in stock alerts or whatever. And like, if if in December, I, I will not have it by next podcast. But in like late November, early December, it's like available. I might order one just, or if I see it in a store. But like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not itching to be there day zero. If I'm there on day thirty or forty, I'm fine. You could you could say yes, George. I, I mean, it's. I'll be there for it. Like, okay, all right. Two weeks, then I'm the wait. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, you have two weeks. Yeah. Woo! There you go. Yeah, Georgia. Pretty- yeah, unlike here, uh, yeah, it seems like Europe was less of a shit show when it came to. Uh, it, it was okay. I I think I just got lucky because I was I was still on like that sort of the oh they've just released information so I'm not going to sleep. I'm just going to rewatch these trailers a bunch. Um. Yeah. And then just like put up, they're like, "Oh yeah, you can buy one now if you want to." I was like, oh, "Okay, I'll do it now." But like everyone else I know, no one else I know has got one. Because uh, okay. um, like obviously the PS5 pre-order situation wasn't great, but compared to pretty much everything else that I've been seeing lately, it feels like it actually turned out pretty well, all things considered. Like uh, the uh, Nvidia cards, you still can't really get them because they sell out in seconds whenever they're restocked. Um, those don't exist until like next year <laughs> that's in my mind yeah the AMD CPUs like Zen 3 um, it, it's a little bit better than the Nvidia cards because apparently there was stock like depending on where you ordered them from and whatnot. but it's still like I mean man 
I got a PS5 in my cart, and I just decided not to check out. And I couldn't even say that about anything else this year so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, there was definitely like in September when I was like getting pre-order when I landed a PS5 pre-order in my Amazon cart. There was definitely a a moment of like clarity of like, should I? Does it? Will it matter? Mm, I don't know. This feels this feels wrong. Is anyone here planning? I first, first of all, I feel kind of bad that we just springboarded from Temtem to next gen, but <laughs> it sounds like we're we're just being honest. Like we're more interested in talking about next gen. Sorry, <laughs> uh, but is anyone here getting an Xbox Series? I don't. I think the answer is no, but I just want to check. I have no reason to get one because the only reason I'd want one is for backpack stuff, and I can get that on my Xbox One. And literally every like Xbox game going forward is going to be on PC. So. Yeah, I'm on the same boat. I, th- I think uh, out of everyone on staff, I think maybe Alex is the only one who has one. I or- think I-, I will next year just to sort of prepare for stuff like Fable. Like, I feel like I have enough reason to get one. George, why not build a PC instead? It's so difficult. <laughs> I don't get it. It's really not that bad. Like, literally, you could just, like... Get on your phone, and we can help you through the process. I, I really want that, actually. I super want that. <laughs> I, want, I, mean, I want a podcast episode of just George building a PC with, like, the rest yeah, of us, like, yelling at him. Yes. I, I but anyway, be, being less cheeky and more serious, I, I do think that George's situation is kind of the perfect customer for an Xbox Series X, where they're just, for one reason or another, whether it's compatibility or troubleshooting or just interest they don't want to build a pc they're lazy, not interested lazy. in it or or lazy i wasn't going to use that word but if you if you open that door up i'll, I'll go i'll walk through it <laughs> all um, right george you're, you're basically admitting defeat I, I, the, apparently you know like a lot of vtubers these days that's the hot thing these days built their computers are you saying that vtubers are better than you i am i i will state that for the record you could just get a pre-built PC, like there. Well, isn't like, that basically what the Xbox is? Well, that's it, just that's just a part of me. I I don't know what it is, but it, there's something nice about. Okay, I've got my say. I've got my PS5. I don't have to touch that thing till either the PS5 Pro or the PS6. Like I don't even have to like inspect it. I don't have to change out anything unless I want extra like space. Like it's done. Oh, I mean you 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 kind of do if you want to expand its storage internally to store PS5 games and also take out the the clean out the dust catchers. You know what I mean though like I don't have to I don't know what a graphics card really does. I don't know what all these well I sort of do but I don't ever have to think about it. It's just the PS5 is there and the PS5 doesn't let me down hopefully <laughs> don't don't let james bully you uh, your your opinion is valid <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I, I want george build a pc stream that's I mean, what I want. one day i will one day it must be this generation because look the more the more i do for the site the more i do like writing wise the more i'm like yeah this is just i'm reminiscing like, now because cool. I remember what, what got me to build the PC is that I was playing, and Adam might remember this because we were roommates at the time, I was playing Skyrim on my laptop, and it was quote-unquote a gaming laptop, but I learned really quickly that I don't like gaming laptops. They're just too bulky, too big, too hot, and they're better now, but I still like wouldn't want them to be like so fixed in terms of what you can't really open them up. But I was playing Skyrim on my, on my gaming laptop, and it was just like, it was on my lap, and it was really hot, and it was really, you know running really kind of kind of poorly and i'm like you know what 
I'm going to learn how to build a PC because I want to play Skyrim, which might sound really, really dumb because my opinion on Skyrim is not that great, but it was enough at the time where it was a motivational factor. Where it's like, man, I'll just build this and then I can play Skyrim. <laughs> and then I think a few years later, Witcher 3 came out and then that was one of my biggest like first PC actually running a game pretty well moments. But anyways, I'll probably get an Xbox Series X at some point just because I can sort of thing. Luckily, I'm in a position where I can do that. Just kind of out of interest, just kind of out of why not, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't really have a good reason, not a rational one that I can really craft an argument behind, but I could see myself just randomly putting it in a cart and pressing purchase at some point. Probably in a year or two, I'll probably start building another new PC. Uh, mine's getting old and I need the new... Uh, I... I didn't want to think about the budget of this thing because I need new monitors as well. I have very old monitors, but I want to start dipping my toes into 1440p, 144 hertz, whatever. I'm and thinking what I'll do is once I can get a hand on an NVIDIA card, I'll do that as like a very quick like stopgap. And then maybe towards the end of the generation, I'll do the full new CPU, new motherboard, new monitors maybe. I whole very much look forward to... Uh... In three years, upgrading my CPU from a Zen, my Zen 2 to a Zen 3 and being good for the rest of the generation. What a weird tangent from Temtem, but here we are. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's Temtem on PS5, folks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the last topic that we have on the list, uh, I think this is actually from a couple weeks ago, but uh, Josh put it up. Um, this is from one of the Dragon Quest anniversary streams uh, specifically about dragon quest 10 the mmo uh, i don't I really know I the details here but yeah so there, there, there was like a me, Josh. yeah there was like a fall festival for dragon quest 10 the japan only mmo entry that was like around october uh, october 30th i think uh you know uh yuji hori the basically the series creator of dragon quest uh went, went up there and he's like you know dragon quest is going to celebrate its 35th anniversary next year in 2021 yeah, it thinks he's gonna, they're going to make all sorts of announcements in regards to that, and and it's kind of making me think. Okay, what kind of what do they have coming up for Dragon Quest? We, we know that there's going to be a console game for the Adventure of Die uh, spinoff series with Infinity Strash, and that was announced around May of this year, and that's like an action RPG. They did confirm, you know, that there is a Dragon Quest twelve in development, and that's still, you know, still still quite a while ahead. Uh, they said, but. Yeah, they might reveal it next year a Dragon Quest 12. There's also some sort of Dragon Quest new HD title and a Dragon a new Dragon Quest monsters in development as well. And it's, I kind of just wanted to branch off of like we know there's new Dragon Quest stuff in development. What would you like to see like in Dragon Quest 12 or just any of these Dragon Quest games? Like what does like a, a sequel to Dragon Quest 11 look like? Because we've been seeing you know how all sorts of praises of Dragon Quest Eleven. It's like it's a really, really damn good game, and you know, even the uh, the definitive edition of it is coming out soon. Uh, yeah. By the way, the uh, the demo the demo is available now. Right. For, uh, yeah. For the ten hour demo for the definitive edition is out on like Steam, um, Xbox, PS4, and whatnot. But what does the next Dragon Quest look like to you guys after that game? Well, I remember when that Die game was announced. As someone who has never read the manga, I'm not watching the new show or whatever. I still thought that that announcement, that trailer looked really cool. But then I, I went, like, it was one of those moments, and I think we all have this at some point, where I watched the trailer with no preconceptions 
for that Dragon Quest die. I forget what it's called. And I thought, man, this looks really neat. I'm interested. And then I go online and people are like poo-pooing on it because I think it looks like, oh, this looks too much like a mobile game. And I'm like, man, now I'm deflated. I, I, I'm with you, man. I, I like the look at the game. I also really like that they're switching composers. Like, they're not going to have... Yeah. Um, yeah. Noted so, imperialist like, and uh, all-around <laughs> bad person. Yeah. Um, so so I, I really like that they're going to... I hope the next Dragon Quest, mainline Dragon Quest game, just has a new main composer like straight up i think we're, we're past that and the the i think it can be done i think it can be done but i don't i don't know what i really want out of a dragon quest well because in my mind midnight dragon quest games are very they're very safe but very like sound they're just structurally sound you know what to, what to extend out of a dragon quest game it's kind of we know we've done this for the tales games of like comfort food but like Dragon Quest does it very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tails is like having your favorite Halloween candy, and go, or like where Dragon Quest is more like going home to your mom's for supper. <laughs> you know, I don't know if that analogy makes any sense, but there's just some sort of wholesomeness to Dragon Quest where it just it it feels more. And I don't want to speak like in super broad brushes that all Dragon Quest is always on some different tier than Tails because that's not true in every case, but. Um, it just when I played Dragon Quest Eleven, it felt like it didn't have much of much of the way in terms of new ideas or like it's it's like the opposite of Yakuza like a dragon in terms of like they've always been here. This is what they've done. This is what they've crafted for three decades now. This is like the pinnacle of that design, and they've done it so well with so much knowledge and heart and smarts behind it. And then they're not just making a gimmick. Like there are no gimmicks, not really. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I kind of, maybe this sounds conservative or safe, but I kind of don't want that to change. I don't want Dragon Quest Twelve to be. Oh, now we have Paper Mario action inputs when you attack or something like that. Like I don't want them to like really throw in stuff into the recipe now just to try to change it up. Because I feel like. It's kind of nice just to have that bedrock, just to have that series that you can go back to it and you know what it is. And I you know agree. What I can kind of see them. I, I wonder if they do, if they'd even chance it, but like try to do what Yakuza Like a Dragon does, where it's not necessarily when the turn-based battles start. It's not necessarily like you know a lot like your line of people versus the line of enemies. They kind of almost flirted around with that in a half-hearted way with Eleven, because in Eleven, you have you do the, have the options like move around manually but it's still yeah even per- though even though it doesn't like mean anything you can do that yeah and i wonder if they try to expand on that idea i i wonder i, I don't know uh i just then i just did some like you know light research on the site so uh, the the new uh, uh uh adventure of die uh anime it doesn't have sugiyama uh compose it like the old series or just in any, any of the series they, they uh, switched to yuki hayashi as a uh, series composer for that, and uh, you know this guy is pretty legendary in terms of like uh, musician all around in Japan when it comes to like uh, writing soundtracks for show. Like he's done the uh, soundtrack for My Hero Academia, for Haikyuu, and a lot of other just stuff. Uh, Gundam Build Fighters, and I think he provides a lot of like excitement to that um, to that series. I think he, there's a lot of uh, room that if they decide to. Have Yuki Hayashi as the main composer for Dragon Quest Twelve. I think that'd be awesome. But 
I, in terms of like what you were saying, Brian, like I can't. It's hard to it's hard to imagine like Dragon Quest really going out there. I I think they also mentioned like that they'd like to do some sort of like re-release or remake for like uh, Dragon Quest Nine uh, Sentinels of the Starry Skies as well. And I think that's maybe the last time like Dragon Quest has really gone super out there, but not all that much. It, like like it was like almost like the an MMO light ish in the in certain aspects of that game. Yeah, Dragon Quest Nine, like you created your own character and it had like these MMO-ish sort of quests. You could even like team up with other players to like do these quests and they're sort of like never ending in a way. Um to get loot and stuff to, you know, create weapons or to sell or whatever. So yeah, I was very I remember I I I had not played Dragon Quest Nine before the MMO came out, and I thought that was kind of weird. Like Dragon Quest MMO, that seems weird. And then I played Nine, like, oh, so they're actually sort of they were definitely going in this direction yeah. in a way. But I sort of agree with Brian that I kind of want Dragon Quest Twelve to be to stay as a turn-based RPG to have a similar sort of story structure. Now, Dragon Quest games do vary a little bit. Like the story structure in Eight and Eleven is a little bit different than what you find in like Six and uh, Seven, for instance. But it's generally like very small, um, subtle differences in a way in terms of how the story is, is told. And a lot of the spinoffs, like the Die game or a new Dragon Quest Monsters, which I, I love the art that they released like two years ago now of like uh, Eric and his sister, like as like protagonists for that game. And like have those have like newer, different types of gameplay styles for like the spinoffs. But I, I sort of agree with Brian in terms of keep 12 relatively in the same path but i sort of agree what you're saying with what you're saying too like maybe it can have some sort of like ad hoc online cooperative cooperation in some form maybe mm-hmm. well, i'll be honest I, when I, I said that i wasn't thinking about nine and like all right nine was kind of a different beast wasn't it so hmm. yeah hmm. I, I i think most importantly like if it's weird to say out loud but i would love it if like they they had the hero like the the your hero is just a female, you know? Like, they haven't had, like, a default hero be a female, and, like, I don't know if that series has ever done it. Like, I think... No. You've definitely, you've definitely had three, that. four, and nine, you can choose. Uh-huh. But there is no character, there is no main character who's, like, you know, a, a, bespoke, a bespoke character who is female. Yeah. But also Dragon Quest heroes, I don't think any of them ever talk. So they're not really a character to begin with. They're more like an avatar. Yeah. But still, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. I don't I don't think it would like drastically change it. It'd just be a nice like twist to it, I guess. Yeah, I think most games, besides like five, because of how that's set up, you know, mm-hmm. there's no reason not to have a female protagonist. Why not? Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder, five, has, five has like this fatherhood sort of theme to it, father son theme to it. So I get that, but but yeah. Do you think that would like break like the just traditional Dragon Quest fans if they decided no more Sugiyama and it's a female hero? Do you think that would be enough to like just break them? I don't know. I think it'd be cool. I don't know if people. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm sure someone would be really upset at that, but I guess that's my two big hopes that that's the weird death like. That's no, in, in general, it would be cool to have a woman or a younger girl protagonist that's not just an option in the character creator, just just bespokely 
this character is female. That's it. Especially like, for something as big as Dragon Quest. Like that yeah. that just be it's I mean, we've seen other games. We've seen other games that uh, maybe should have done that, like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which I know is like the absolute opposite type of game. But everything I hear about it, they just say it should have just been the one character <laughs> and not a choice. So there's a couple other news stories uh, that are listed on the website that we didn't put in the podcast talk. Uh, like we have a trailer for Labyrinth of Galleria, which I know Adam and James are looking forward to. It's releasing later this month in Japan. Uh, I don't know if there's any version so not sure we're probably not going to cover the import on the site i don't know like probably not but uh i'm excited to play it is is there a i should know this but i don't but is there a official confirmation of a localization yet or no not yet not but it's i find it i'm sure it'll happen because when's the last time nas america skipped out on a nis game like a constant game find it funny if we actually end up getting the Vita version of Galleria over here in the West, because like, from what I understand, the Vita version of Refrain almost came over, and the only reason it didn't is because they kept pushing the localization back and back until the point where um, they just figured it wasn't worth it. But the main reason why they didn't bring it over was because technically the Vita version was a slightly different skew than the PS4 Switch PC version, so it, the localization didn't fully line up one to one. So, since Galleria and you're, thinking, already, and you're thinking if Galleria is equivalent between PS4 and Vita, yeah. it's they might or so. They might might be, yeah. I don't know. It, it would be funny. It, it would be really, really cute. But I don't actually see it happening. But it, it would be funny. So. We also got uh, a look at the character creator in the upcoming Demon Souls uh, re-release, remaster, whatever you want to call it, yeah, remake. They've showed a lot of that uh, throughout the week, huh? Yeah. And yeah, we had a, I th- we had a state of play thing this morning, I think. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And then one of the things, and I think this this might have been already announced but not shown. Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, but they do have a bunch of like different sorts of filters and visual tweaks that, yes, are used in a photo mode type of environment, but also can be on the gameplay itself, so I don't. Specifically... I think it was one of the things where the previews mentioned it, but it wasn't like a press release. Like we have this now, so previews mentioned it, and now we sort of see it. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's, but... it's a lot like the their options in like Shadow of the Colossus when they uh, blue pointed that, where there's like different filters, and like one of them is specifically supposed to make it look a little bit more like the PS3 game. So <laughs> someone really. Uh... <laughs> I don't know if you've seen pictures of it yet. But I don't know. I don't think we have. Not really. I would. I would love to see. I, I guess we're gonna find out soon. But <laughs> I, just, I don't know. That's weird. It's so weird though, looking at a character creator. Because uh, when I see like this really in-depth character creator uh, for Demon Souls, I think back of this is like an early 2010s thing. But uh, uh, what's his name? Jeff Green was doing like Dark Souls streams where he would just like create characters that are so obnoxiously ugly. Like for whatever reason, whenever I think of like Demon Souls, Dark Souls character creators, I just think of like these atrocities that you can just create. I think don't, don't the McElroy brothers do like Monster Factory, and they literally just create, oh, make uh, ugliest characters they can. Yeah, <laughs> them too. And then when I see like these promotional shots of these like handsome 
people <laughs> in a Demon Souls game. I'm like, this isn't right. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of wish the press release of that character creator was like, oh man, look how ugly, uh, beautifully ugly you can make your character. I want yeah. a giant nose, and I'm allowed to say that because I have a big nose. Uh, green hair, just an, you know, I just want this weird, weird looking guy. Watchy skin, Demon Slayer. Yeah, that's that's Demon Souls. I don't want this handsome devil <laughs> walking through slaying these things. Anyways, the character creator looks really nice. It looks really cool. Uh, we'll have to see how the filters kind of turn out in terms of whether or not Demon Souls purists uh, think it's actually a good emulation of the original visual style or not. All right, all right, George. So the, let's get let's get down to business since uh, you know we're, we're the only two in here uh, dumb enough to, do, to adopt these things early. When you, when you get your PS5, uh, what's the like? What's your like game plan when you get it? When you boot it up? Ooh, uh, I think it has to be start of Astrobot. Not only because it's there, but you know it seems really cool, like a little nice little tribute to all the PlayStation. So, uh, what, what downloads are you gonna have it, like running in the background as you're going through Astrobot? Oh well, I think it has to be Kingdom Hearts Three. Like, I think I have to try that out straight away. Like. That's a pretty big one, uh, and then I guess Melody of Memory will be out by then. Did um, uh, and- was Kingdom Hearts three thirty on uh, PS four like a thirty FPS? I forgot already how that game ran. It was unlocked frame rate, I want to say, and the way oh, it yeah, was- yeah. So it was- yeah, like I know that it, it was weird because on PS four Pro, if you had it hooked up to a ten eighty p screen, it was almost a lot sixty. Like, so technically, like, the best way to play Kingdom Hearts 3 was on PS4 Pro at 1080p. But I do want to say that was also unlocked if you had it on a 4K screen. But it was a lower resolution than I think the Xbox One X was hitting. So It uh, was weird, yeah. Like, just the whole situation with that uh, retroactively was weird. But I just, yeah. I just I have that on any console I have, basically. Um, the big one I'm excited for... Like Demon Souls, I am excited for, but also like not as not as much as Spider Man because the mm-hmm. the Spider Man I I loved like that that was one of the in recent memory that is one of the games I was most excited about. Uh, like besides Ken Hearts and stuff like that, that was one I was like checking every day. Like oh my god, new new costume, new gameplay. Like I was a little bit obsessed with it. So this I'm so excited to find players Miles and just. Like go further into that. Like I can't wait yeah, for. A lot of people seem to really like it. The uh, when reviews started going around just mm. a day ago. I'm assuming uh, you're going to be straight in on Demon Souls then. Oh man, I don't know, man. I, I I'm kind of with you. I I really want to check out my uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales because I I really like the the base game. I completed that. I like almost 100. percent Like I didn't get the platinum, but I pretty much did everything you could do besides like all the street crimes and whatnot over and over again. Um. So Demon Souls, I want to check out DMC Five. I want to check out ah uh, DMC Five. Yeah, forgot about uh, that. And there's another one, uh, Godfall, which. So we, my we, friends and I are like, uh, Godfall is weird for me because my friends and I are on a death pact for that. Uh, my me and my Anthem playing buddies. So they're trying to try to get PS Fives, and our death pact is if they manage to get PS Fives, we'll go in on Godfall co-op. If not, fuck it. But that's our I death mean, pact right now. I, I'm pretty sure I'm probably going to be like talking about it for the site so like yeah. i hope it's good it looks pretty I, good I, like yeah i hope it's good there's definitely i don't want any game to be bad <laughs> it's generic it's generic and like 
really uninteresting to think about for longer than like 20 seconds but i'm hoping the gameplay like carries that like it, it could be like a hidden gem of the ps5 launch i, I don't think it will be <laughs> like at all i think it would just be like kind of fun if anything but uh, yeah. i need to start I, like uh, either later on today or tomorrow i'm gonna start like taking catalog of like ps4 games i want to try out on ps5 like the niche ones like gundam breaker 3 and, like other gundam games that also i, I have I can't believe that East Nine is finally unlocked 60 FPS. I know I saw that. Uh, Finance fan, yeah, that was uh, that was a real game changer. I was like, oh, there, there, maybe there's hope. Then play this on a console before it, hit, it hits on other platforms. Yeah, I I'm gonna that. gonna probably replay that on I PS5. Did uh, collector's edition of this uh, SMT Nocturne import uh, for the PS4. I didn't fire fire it up on, on the PS4, but. I wonder how it performs on PS5 because I know it's a technical mess at the moment. I'm, I don't know if there's any benefit to running it on a PS5, but I want to maybe check that out. There's a, there's a lot of uh, things I want to do on this console, but it, and it hits. Maybe, maybe I'll run like a Discord stream or a Twitch stream or something, and maybe people can share my pain and suffering. That's I'm really fascinating. Weird how much like backwards compatibility improvements like factor in this generation it's not something we've ever really seen before is it not really because when you think about like i guess the the only the only comparable thing would be like with the like the ps4 ps4 pro xbox xbox one x like type of thing it's it wasn't really like a thing on the ps3 to ps4 uh jump and whatnot so i i want to i want to go back and play ghost of tsushima now that that's playable at 60 fps like I, I started this year and I played some of it, like a good amount of hours into it, but it just it just didn't really catch on. But now that it's in 60 FPS and it looks really good, yeah, maybe I should. Yeah, I, maybe wonder... I, I think I want to start Ghost of Tsushima over, but go on that uh, high difficulty where everything like dies in like two to three hits if you can parry. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'll do that. I do wonder how much this is going to impact like adoption of the next gen consoles. Because even if there isn't necessarily games exclusive to those systems that you want to play yet, let's say if you're playing like a games as a service game, well, if the next gen consoles have like significant upgrades to them, that might be enough of a reason to say, okay, well, maybe it doesn't have exclusives yet, but X, Y, and Z game that I play almost every day are getting significant upgrades just from getting the new box, so I might as well. Yeah, I, I do mean- wonder. It's actually impacting my decision of like I wanna like Assassin's Creed Valhalla is like it's something that like I'm pretty like interested to look at. I've seen a lot more people play it and like see how how it is. Like I'm kind of interested, but I wanna like I'm thinking about getting that on the PS5 instead of PC because I don't have like a PC capable enough to like running it like super high at like 60 frames per second. But if the if the PS5 version of that runs at 60 FPS at pretty good uh, graphical settings, that like I might actually just get it on PS5 for that. I am probably going to go and get the Iceborne Platinum Trophy now that I've seen the difference in the PS4 load times and PS5 load times for uh, Monster Hunter. Oh, did they actually uh, update loading times for that on PS5? Uh, yeah, it's now like under 20 seconds. Oh my god, that's awesome. Jesus. So... As someone who's only ever played Monster Hunter on PC, like I did not realize that. So I have it on not the fastest SSD, but a reasonably fast SSD, and the load times are, are fine. And then I hear like these horror stories about the original release. And I'm like, Man, oh yeah, like, like I was ignorant. 
PS4 is something like it's over a minute for sure. I'm not it, like actually. Let me really quickly check because I, I know it's super long. It can be really really bad. I, re- I saw um, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Here's my chance to just shout out that uh, there was like a 10 minute gameplay walkthrough with developer commentary on Xbox Series X, which is also up on the site. So just a quick little yeah. gameplay little video. Also a gameplay video for. Very different, t- very different type of game, but Atelier Rise of Two, uh, basically mm-hmm. a combat highlight trailer. So I think people are already kind of decided whether or not they're interested in those games, but just more footage to to look over. Hey man, if Atelier Rise of Two has ray tracing on the PS5, then maybe maybe I'll get that. <laughs> <laughs> Josh is just every every time a game's announced for PS5, he's just gonna like interview. Does like, that ray tracing? Yeah, like I want I want to see the ray tracing. Look, man, what's the point of next gen right now if there's no ray tracing? Loading times. <laughs> Even like I felt bad because like I was playing Neo 2 earlier uh with the uh with George and James watching and loading times in there aren't aren't great. I really yeah, I really want to see what I, I really want to test out the more backwards compat stuff. I that, that reminds me of the loading times. Um when I was playing uh Yakuza Like a Dragon, it loads so fast off of my SSD, like there was no time to really read the tooltips. Uh, not at all because like the load times just going to like even to the open world part of it was like maybe two three seconds at max it's insane so i really wonder what the loading times are on like base xbox one and base ps4 on that james i thought we gave you enough time (laughs) (laughs) sorry what the the loading times you were looking at (laughs) oh well yeah so I did find some for the Guiding Lands on PS4 Pro with an SSD installed, and it's like 35 seconds. So it's, well, I'm not sure if the loading times they did for Monster Hunter was Guiding Lands. So it's improved over if you put an SSD in your PS4 Pro, at least. But uh, not, I'm not sure by how much, but even just putting an SSD in your PS4 Pro is going to make it a lot more manageable. So I can only assume it's even better it's than even that. It's even better than that, yeah. So... so I guess it's all a big, big like prelude of like man, next week. I'll, I'll probably hop in again and then talk about next gen. I guess. Damn yeah. it! And like, assuming I can get a launch day allocation like order like off Best Buy or something like both. Uh, yeah, George and I will talk about it the week after. Yay! Look, now next gen is here. That's I will. I will live vicariously through you guys. Until they announce uh, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics with ray, tra- ray tracing. Uh, I'll, try, I'll try to have the Discord streams up at the staff channel. So let's all check this out together. And that pretty much wraps up all the topics that I had listed or could think of that were unlisted. So does anyone else have any closing comments other than... Talk about uh, Stranger Swords visited, right? Oh, is, did, I, did I skip over that? Yeah, it's a game that only oh, I James and I care about. All right, go <laughs> yeah. ahead. Take it away, James and you. It's a dungeon RPG. It already released on Vita, like, years ago. It Technically, this is the Vita remake of, like, Knights of the Round or something? Something like that? Um, Students of the Round. Students of the Round. Yes, that's to state it clearly, in case you missed the segue, it's, this is the combo pack of Save, Saviors of Sapphire Wings and Stranger of Sword City Revisited. So this was announced a couple weeks ago, and we've got a release date for March 16th, 
slash March 19th for George. Because I know he's super yeah. interested. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. So Saviors of Sapphire Wings is a new dungeon crawler that is a remake of Students of the Round that were never released in English. It came out in Japan last year. It's coming out this year for Switch and PC. Then that game is bundled. It's a dual pack with Stranger of Sword City Revisited, which that game has a weird history. It originally released on Xbox 360 in Japan, and then it was ported to Xbox One in Japan, and then it came over west for Xbox One and got a Vita version, and then it got a second Vita version, which is the revisited part, and now it's getting to Switch and PC as well. So yeah. So, Two yeah, different games. You, I, I missed that. Can you, can you repeat that? Xbox 360, Xbox no, no, One, I, Vita, PC. I was, I was really... Vita again. I was, yeah. I was hoping you were just like, I was fishing for you to say no. <laughs> just no. no but, read it on the website. But anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to skip over that. It was uh, not intentional. But yeah, so those are... Uh, it's kind of... going to find out see- about... Yomi Osakuhana when it's going to be localized or if it'll be localized because that came out in Japan on like Xbox in June or July one of the two and it just came out on PS4 and Switch in Japan last month uh, and it seems like it has some like really good reception like I read a few reviews and it seems like people generally like it so I do wonder if NIS will pick that up or maybe uh, who who knows maybe Axis will because they've done the Spirit Hunter games and we all know that Axis is uh, looking for games to localize. So, but does it have ray tracing on the PS5? <laughs> no. So good catch on that one. But other than that, uh, we'll start wrapping up. So next gen's here. We're already talking about 2021. I think we're all kind of eager to get out of this year, <laughs> in some way or another. Um, we do have the two reviews that we mentioned for both Yakuza Like a Dragon slash Yakuza 7 and also the Pokemon Sword and Shield combo review for both uh, the Isle of Armor and the Crown Tundra. We've got all the news stories that we mentioned are up on the website. We also do have the Neo 2 little just gameplay with commentary up on the YouTube channel. And we will hear back, or sorry, you will hear back from us next week with hopefully first-hand PS5 impressions. Except from not from George. He has to wait another week. So until then, uh, take care, stay healthy, and see you next time. Peace. Later, folks.